0: G'day, Blade Lords and Wind Chargers. It's AOS Coach here, and we are talking all things Lumineth Realm Lords. There is no update for Lumineth when it comes to our um, Vaughnbringer books, but I did want to revisit Lumineth, and I'm excited to introduce my guests in a second. But the catalyst and the reason for why I wanted to talk Lumineth is we are, as you probably already know, Generals Hairbook 2023 is a magic-dominated kind of meta. There's power dice, there's all this great stuff. It's probably been the most magic we've had, at least in third edition. Yet Lumineth is one of these factions at the bottom of the table when it comes to the competitiveness. Not like at the bottom, bottom, but you are like 47, 46. Like you got a pretty low win percentage when you compare yourself to the other top-tier kind of armies, which is Probably a surprise, a surprise given that we are in Magic and Seraphon's doing well and other Magic Armies are doing well. So I wanted to have this conversation, and I'm, I'm going to introduce Jared Brown, who has been doing incredibly well with Lumineth despite their poor wind percentage. <laughs> you came first at South Lake <laughs> Open. You did well at the South Rumpus GT, at Boyce Cup. Uh, I saw you even did a pretty, pretty you know, decent run at Tacoma Open, and, you know, I, I was like, oh, this, like, this is a shark tank when you look at like Matt <laughs> Beasley and Matt Nguyen and, like, everyone, like, it was a shark tank at that GT. Kind Definitely. Of. So given all the constraints, given what's going on in the GHB and where Lumineph sits, and despite your success, well, not even despite your success, how do we get the success for Lumineph? So, Jared, welcome. And what brought you to our shiny Aether Quartz uh, Elves?
1: You know, thank you again, by the way, for having me on. But I've always had an interest in that high elf aesthetic. And when I saw Lumineth Realm Lords, I was immediately sold. A lot of people are going to puke hearing that because I guess there's some, you know, knife-ear hate out there. But uh, I fell in love. I was like, these guys are beautiful. Uh, The models are well-made, even though mine are slap-chopped. But I, yeah, I just, it was a match made in heaven.
0: So and it's actually funny jared and i have a funny story so i reached out to jared he's uh one of the top performers on the itc uh you know doing very well with lumineth and it's funny because a lot of people in my chat for the last four to five months whenever i post a video you know the number one requested video has always been lumineth like when are you going to talk lumineth and my response has always been when someone does something and You've had this couple of months where people are, have had Techless in their list, but then, you know, is Teclas a crutch? Is he someone that you don't need anymore given the primal magic dice and the interactions there with some of those, you know, static casting values? And it's taken a while for someone to kind of work out Lumineth. And Jared, uh, fun story. Do you want to share the story and then we'll get into the video?
1: Oh, yes. So, about a year ago, you did a Lumineth Realm Lords video. I think that was with Jordan. And then I, like, reached out in the comments section. I was like, I really want to talk Lumineth Realm Lords. And then you were like, yeah, you probably need to get those rookie numbers up. Because I think I just, like, came off a 3-2 or something. And you're like,
0: nah, I can't be showing a 3-2 right now. <laughs> I didn't say no. Like, I think I came off the back of I had Kubra and I had... um. um... Uh, Jordan, oh and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and Cooper as well, and Cooper is still doing really well with Lumineth, which is fantastic. But yeah, I, I think I responded to you a year ago. I'm like, you know, let's pump up those rookie numbers, and here you are, you know, doing four ones, <laughs> five and O's. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that as a coach victory that uh, I back. geared <laughs> you to success. I'm gonna take partial credit. Let's talk Lumineth and. I have a lot of questions for you because I put this uh, this video in preparation out to Discord. I put it out to Facebook and I said, yo, what are the questions that you have about Lumineth? And I've been inundated with a lot of questions. So maybe let's set the scene, right? I've already said some things. I've said that Lumineth's not doing generally well. I've said that it's a very high magic meta. And I've also said that of the magic armies, you would think that Lumineth would do well. So a couple of blanket statements there. As a Lumineth player, what are your thoughts and what have you found in those first couple of months of GHB in this Entorian Locust, Primal Magic Dice, Hoarfrost, Merciless Blizzard meta?
1: So I came into an interesting position here. Uh, the current tournament list I'm running, I had a 1.0 list of it in the last GHB and it's currently actually on a battle report for Battleshock Wargaming right now. But I was playing a version of this um, Bruna Synthoi build, all this type of stuff, uh, last GHB, and I really wanted to make it work. And I think that's the only reason I'm doing good with it now is because I had a lot of practice. <laughs> but um, And then the new GHB comes out, and I'm like, this amps it up to eleven. So a little, little changes here. Like I was running ballistas and then they're like, Hey, look out, sir's going to change. And so I, I got with my team, my other rage babies. And I was like, guys, how do we feel about like a wind spirit now? Because why do we need ballistas when they're not going to do anything, but a wind spirit, can which we'll get to that i'm sure but uh yeah it, as soon as the ghp came out it seemed like a match made in heaven for lumineth realm lords we have so much extra casting we rely on casting if you're playing zytrek we can we have that bonus one to try and stop other people's cast like this is the golden age for lumineth in my personal opinion uh so we're just riding it riding the wave
0: so why on earth is a win percentage so low Given that you've just said we're in a good spot for Lumineth and obviously you've got plenty of tools, why why are you at the bottom of the competitive meta?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I think we're still riding on a lot of our. The Lumineth players are still riding on the Techless list, list, and Techless unfortunately got hammered in this edition. And I'm I'm an old Techless player. I don't like to admit that. I feel like he carried us uh, in the last JHB big time. A lot of my, you know, some a lot of my wins back in the last JHB were on his back. Um, and I think everybody's still trying to hold on to that. And then our sentinels got hit, Hellon got hit, all these different things got hit. And I don't think Lumineth players are, or not in general, but some Lumineth players are willing to let go of techlis just yet. And I mm. think that is why our Rinway Rin win rate excuse me is going down it's because he just cannot function very well in the ghb mind you there is a 5-0 right now with techless but still if you're up against somebody who brings antorian acolytes and you don't have it you're a one drop you're fighting against other players that are going to be able to tell techless no and those tens are not so great when other people have more primal dice than you do and you can't add any to your casts. so i think I think that's where we're at right now, because a lot of the players that are trying to pilot my current list um, are coming off of tech lists. And so that's why I was saying, like, in the last GHB, I played, like, my 1.0 of this list. So I had a little bit of an edge going into the new GHB, already playing without tech lists. And now other Lumineth players are starting to branch out into that world and start to see that there is so much more power to this book that doesn't have to ride on Teclas's shoulders.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I remember, actually, I think it was one of the comments that I mentioned when I did the GHB preview was that for Lumineth, I felt like a successful Lumineth uh, build was going to have to drop Teclas because he is essentially, what, one-third of your army around that 700-point mark, um, so it's a lot of investment and to your point, can't really take advantage of the primal magic dice given that you've got the auto cast or you've got the certain levels of caster, whether it be 12, 10 or is it 8? So th- the challenge is, is that you know, you've know you got one third of your points, let alone your battle line, let alone any other tools. And I was curious to see would Techless be able to stand up against the, his competition or scaling back into other the small, small wizards with, you know, as you mentioned, the Entorian Acolytes and building into that, would that be the better build? And it's interesting as well because Teclis promotes that castle, and you're seeing a lot of castles right now, probably more castles than we've seen for a long time. Yet, again, you would assume that the Lumineth Teclis build, being a castle, would play well into that. But here we are. It's probably a little bit challenged.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, talking about castles, you're 100% correct. I was just talking to a friend the other day about our lists, and I was like, wow, every list I have built for all the different armies I play, they're castles now. Like Everything is castle at this point. Um, and I think, to your point, 760 points, I don't remember how much Techless is off the top of my head, but for 760 points, if at least two of your casts are being unbound, whether that's Protection or Searing White Light, that's 760 points in five activations that you're going to get throughout a game with somebody. You're down 700 right there. And if they get you in the next round, you're down 700 again. You're just taking massive losses to your value to the points you're investing.
0: Yeah, it's wild. It is absolutely wild. I was just bring up Teklis' wall scroll just to see. Um, although, like, if you cast it... If you cast Teclus's spell with the one cast being a twelve, it can't be modified and it can't be unbound. So you could still get that one guaranteed you could still get that one guaranteed spell. But I guess the question is by the way, his war scroll as according to the AOS app seven hundred and forty points. Seven forty. Seven forty for one guaranteed cast, which is probably like what protection of Hish, protection of teclas type stuff. And then
1: for seven forty, bro.
0: That's what I was going to say is like, yeah, you get that spell off and that great five up ward, but it's a big cost,
1: yeah. And then what one attack, twos and twos, minus three d6
0: damage. <laughs> so, I guess, I guess the point of this discussion with Jared is going to be is this the time to rethink about Lumineth and how do we think about it? And what have you kind of learnt along the way from dropping Techless? And if you still want to run Techless, cool, that's fine but just know that you're probably going to find some roadblocks and probably going to maybe find that there are other options on the table, whether it is, you know, more Cathalars, more, you know, maybe leaning into other parts of the book. And I'll be curious to hear, you know, uh, wind charge is good. Is it time for Severeth now? Because we had Severith um, in a lot of lists for a while and then the change between moving in my shooting phase and yours kind of, kind of saw the stonks go down on, on the... The wind the wind fox
1: yeah i agree uh but that was a lot of feels bad and i can't say that i did not feel bad back when those rules were in play and i was doing that to people there's feels bad there especially for you were like a nergo player at the time like it was so bad i'm i'm just i'm glad we're beyond it but i still think there's stock there so
0: all I'm saying is that you've seen like picks and troughs, right? So let's, let's restart and go, right. Um, Cause one of the questions came from uh, one of the, uh, one of the many questions is um, let's get into the mentality of a Lumineth player for a second. Um, is it a high aggressive army for the folks who maybe um, uh, haven't played Lumineth before, or maybe a, a, in your mindset, are you thinking about this ultra defensive techless bubble are you thinking about battle cattle and and getting on objectives for wards are, are you looking at durability are you looking at board control like what is the mindset and the the, the build structure of a lumineth uh, army now
1: so uh i'd like to compare lumineth as like a surgery like if you don't apply the right tool to the right operation everything falls apart and Everything in the Lumineth book has a very specific job. And if it doesn't fulfill that job, then your surgery's failed, the game's over. Like, you have to be extremely technical in play. So uh, there isn't really a defensive, and there isn't really an offensive. It's, did the opportunity present itself? Okay, I'm going to apply the tool to that. Opportunity didn't present itself? Then I'm going to do this differently. Like, it's just, it's very technical how you approach every single army you play. And that's why it's good for like, I guess it's good for everybody, but it's very important that you learn everybody's army because that is going to make you the most successful with whatever army you choose to play, but especially Lumineth Realm Lords because you have to know how to apply the right instrument to that operation. Yeah, it's interesting,
0: actually, because one of the great questions that came from Facebook was um, this, one, this one came from actually well, I think what the, one of the moderators, um, David Althaus, was saying, um, first off, he asked, you know, are foxes worth running? And I'm hearing that there might be some some secret source with foxes. But he mentioned something that was really interesting. He said, uh, on paper, it seems like that we have everything we need, consistent damage, strong units, monsters that hit like a truck, fast cavalry, an amazing spell law two to three reasonable battle tactics, and a durable anvil unit. So in David's opinion, the roster is pretty fleshed out, and yet we can't seem to shift the big bad enemies like OVR, uh, like Gravelords, we get chipped away from Seraphon. So the question that David had, and I don't, you may agree or disagree with that statement, but um, David's question was, what is it that Luminate's lacking in the toolkit to effectively fight the meta right now?
1: Mm, that's a great question the i would say the main tool we're lacking at the moment to fight like no myriad i mean they took a points increase i think there's still a fighting chance especially with my current list because uh tacoma i lost to the guy that won that event there was still metal there i took him to the very end we had almost nothing on the table and it was deathly close for an obr matchup I think we have the tools, but the, the main problem is Tom Guan, you know, he, he did me real dirty at Boise cab. I tell you real dirty. Um, I think he like left 40 zombies in reserve and I was like, bro, they're going to die. And he's like, I don't need them. I was like, Oh man. Um, but the main tool that we don't have is when we commit to something like zombies, we lose value right out the gate. So we charge with our John riders. We do a massive amount of damage to zombies and then they five up mortalists back on death and we're taking models off. Like we're losing value and he's smiling because he knows he's just got to roll a three up in his turn to get them back if you were to kill the unit. So it's like we just we lose out on that fight and we know that the only thing we can hold on to is like Grave Tide. And so we have to super commit to it. And if Grave Tide does not pay off, then we're on the back foot because we can't we can't put in the damage in the zombies and take what they give us back because a lot of times we're outside of our five up ward and stuff like that so that's just straight damage and then they kill our models and bring more of their models back zombies are just we just don't have that tool to take them out at range without grape tides assistance so it's tough it's really tough
0: but wouldn't your sentinels be able to handle the corpse cut, which is ultimately what's powering those zombies
1: Yes, but I can't say that the corpse cart is is the difference. I, I killed both of Tom's corpse carts and it, it didn't matter. Mm. It didn't matter. He doesn't need the mortals to hit. He just needs the mortals to, when you die, that's it.
0: So is it, is it that you don't have the tools to handle the army or are you just finding that maybe you're not as efficient as, look, let's be honest, like zombies should go up, right? And I don't want to kind of harp on the zombie because not every tournament is going to have that horde of zombies and you may not face it at a, at a tournament, but you are going to potentially place uh, OBR, gets Um, There's a lot of, you know, armies doing quite well in the meta. Like, like, do you have the tools to handle that? Or is it just the fact that, for the last couple of months, you've been trying to work out these non-techless, castly-type builds and trying to find the combinations to work this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say outside of that zombie conversation, we have the tools to deal with everything else. We have them there. Um, and that's been tried and tested by me. Um, and I know other Lumineth players are seeing same results. Uh, we have the tools for everything else. like. It's all there. It's just, are you bringing those tools with you? And do you know what tools those are to make sure to have them? Because you do need that all comers list now in this meta. You have to, I guess you probably need it for every meta, but especially us, we can't just spam one thing and expect to get results out of it.
0: So I'm going to bring up the rules in a second. And I've got, like I said, I've got a million questions, which is going to be great. Hopefully we kind of cover... Um cover them all actually i'll ask one other question before we get into the actual rules and kind of bring this to life i thought it was a really good question actually from Jason spades in in my discord um talking about like how does lumineth play in 2023 and i think this is probably the key here is that Every every general's handbook, I always advise people to not just bring the list that worked last season and try to squeeze it into the new season. I always suggest like take that pause for a second, look at the new rules, look at the battle tactics. What is it going to take for you to score the five battle tactics? What is it going to take for you to score the grand strategy? Is there things that used to not be good that's now good? And what are things that are that used to be really good, maybe not as good? But Jace asking around. Um, you know, how do you play Lumineth, right, given that, um, uh, you know, like, you know, the role of the Stone Guard versus the Warden, which are two, you know, key elements here. You know, is it time to bring in the Dawn Riders? And I know, you know, people have talked about Hoarfrost on Dawn Riders and, you know, really slapping with them, you know, this and, and, and you've got so many access to allies too. Like, you know, is it time to bring back Gotrek and, you know, Stormcast Chariots? Like, this like is it time to break the castle and, and start thinking about independent threats and, you know, hammers and anvils and, and different sources of damage as opposed to what you used to have, just this immovable castle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The I was taking a close look at, like, Kenarai because they're cheap and they deep strike and they can steal points and stuff like that. But one of the biggest fortunate events that took place is that when the new GHB dropped we took massive points deductions in the key areas like the Blade Lords, the Dawn Riders. I don't think, I I mean, it's each their own. I mean, try and test everything. But I think with all those price cuts, we can comfortably settle into all of the units that we have access to in Lumineth Realm Lords and be able to compete with them effectively without needing to rely on anybody else.
0: Right, Makes sense. I feel feel like you are the Swiss army knife. And look, it took a while. I remember when I picked up the first Cities book, and now I'm kind of in the same boat again with the new Cities book. It's going to take time for things to to kind of surface. And um, there's some things that are obvious, you know, people talk about like fusiliers and flagellants and like there's some things that are very obvious. But there's actually it's obviously a lot of secret sauce as well that I think will take time to surface. And those things that are super obvious are probably going to get nerfed in some capacity. So, you know, oh, like, yeah. I'm running a lot of flagellants. of like, <laughs> yeah, I want to see how much that Pope's going to cost me before I commit to like, this is my L- this is my LVO 2. 2K list. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that Pope is probably going to go up, that War Forger go up. Oh, because yeah. Because you can see like it's too good. And,
1: or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the Pontifex. All right, let's start at the rules, and we've kind of got a mixture of General's Handbook 2023 and your current rules. So when you look at the uh, the full allegiance abilities, and Great Nations will come in a second, how do you think about whether it's your Aether Quartz Reserve and how you play around with it, the Lightning Reflexes? Is this something that you really build around and it's a way for you to, to deal lots of damage? And how do you think about some of these rules?
1: So... Ultimately, and I think we all see it this way, the Aether Quartz Reserve is really that all-out defense that we need in a very clutchy moment. Uh, It usually comes into play if you're getting alpha struck or you're first to go first and somebody double turns you. Um, It's really just there for that. And then for your heroes, Magical Boost is always great to have in your back pocket. The only time I think heightened reflexes really comes up, and some people are gonna you know raise an eyebrow at me for this, but I do it with the Don riders, like if I'm going into some chafee stuff that's all by itself on it's lonesome in a corner that's got one wound or two wounds, I'm paying that price. I'm hitting with twos on spears and then threes with hooks, like I'm going for it, and a lot of times I'm like why that's that's a defensive thing, but in those like scenarios, I want to one shot what I go into, or at least you know provide a very harsh bravery check lightning re- reactions oh my gosh so with with the cenari and this is nuts and it catches so many people off guard the fact that if you can get that speed of hish on a like say it's like a mountain cow or something and then you roll that three up because they don't unbind it by any reason who knows you get that three up and then you toss it on a volanor and then you got two giant mountains flying up the table 12 inches at you and then rolling a 2d6 charge it really catches people off guard and you're fighting with both like before they even get to do anything you're fighting with both so a lot of times like i do that with um eltharion and blade lords like we'll be in the mid game and somebody will like i played um, against aaron Daly. don't mean to call him out like this but he moved his zombie dragon He's a great player, by the way, and an awesome friend. Um, He moved his zombie dragon, like, on the very edge of the table to go meet my Dawn Riders in combat. And, you you know, safe distance. You think you're safe. But that's, on average, I think, 17-inch threat range when Speed of Hish went off for um, Eltharian and then the Blade Lords. And they're flying up the board 12 inches, rolling a 2-day-6 charge. And he was like, I did not see that coming. And they're both going to fight me first. Okay, shoot. Yeah, Like, lightning reactions is reflexes. I said reflexes. Lightning reactions is nuts. And it's such a great thing for Lumineth Realm Lords because we can go into combat feeling relatively safe, especially in an enemy combat phase. Like, oh, you just set up all these multiples? Well, I like to tell my opponent right out the gate, like, hey, just so you know, I fight with two units when it's my turn. Because if they're setting up multiple combats, nothing sucks more than to be like, I'm going to fight here and then I'm going to fight here. And they're like, no, wait, it's my turn. It's like lightning reactions. I'm fighting with
0: two. It's like, is fight. there any good recipients that you build around? Obviously, it's luminous, so anyone can use it. But when you're thinking about combinations, whether especially when you're going in offensively, is it your two battle cattle? Is it like, is there other particular units that are finding good combinations?
1: Yes, great combinations. Like like the one I said earlier, the uh, Eltharin and Bladelords is fantastic. Or if you're setting up a light hit and you just want to get a Dawn Rider going and you want to take on something with your Bladelords or your Spears. Uh, I don't often charge with my Spears, though. So um, in those circumstances, yes, but in an Alarith list, huge. Huge, because you're setting up all kinds of things, especially if you're moving fast, which is why I think in any Alarith, army a enlightener is key to victory that two cast on speed of hish if you can get it going mm.
0: considering we're talking about damage dealing right now are you finding like blade lords and your kangaroos your wind charges um are they interesting tools to be using at the moment in the meta or because i haven't seen wind charges for maybe the whole time like for all kangaroos they have not not really hit the table very often
1: Yeah, uh, the wind chargers, I had a lot of play with those back when Helon was a little bit more degenerate. Uh, Nowadays, there is is a play there because they're so cheap, and if you double stack them and you run them up the table and you're hitting on twos and twos, is it minus two or minus one? I think it's minus one and minus two in melee. Um, That's okay, but I think it just kind of equals out from the plus one attack. I think if you do the math hammer for that, it's about the same, but sure, there's a little bit of play there. Um, I just don't think it's enough damage. It's great to ignore ward, wards and whatnot, but uh, to your point or to your message about Blade Lords, now they are nuts. The fact that they have two different stances, uh, mm-hmm. one being just let me put in a five-man unit, six mortal wounds into you on a two-up. Uh, and then mine are double stacked, so 11 Mortal mortal Wounds into you on a 2-up, that catches so many people off guard. It's like, hey, okay, that was 10 Mortal Wounds, and they're like, really? It's like, yes, that's Perfect Strike, and they're 2-inch range. And then the hindsight to that is you're fighting a Horde army, you just turn on... uh, What's the other one? It's not Perfect Strike, it's...
0: Oh, yeah, the other one. Uh, I was just looking at the Kangaroos for a second, um, but keep keep going. I'll I'll bring up the rule. Uh, It's the... Uh, sweeping strike
1: or something—I don't know. Some forty k name. I don't know.
0: It's all good. It's all good. i I brought up the law seeker. Keep going. Just keep talking. I'll bring it up. So yeah,
1: uh, being able to add additional attacks uh, using the uh, flurry of blows.
0: Flurry of blows.
1: Flurry of blows using the profile that they have for I think it's no
0: not vindictors.
1: Uh, it's the same uh, rule set as a stormcast eternal. Uh, their blade lords. Um, it, you just get bonus attacks for 10-man units and and then 20-man units, I think, is how it goes. Yeah, it's 10s and 20s. So you get plus two attacks if you're attacking something with 20 or more. and then uh, plus one, or, Yeah, you
0: get yeah, plus one attack with the Flurry of Blows uh, if it's five to nine models. There it is. Thank and, you. And plus two if it's 10 or more models, which is probably even more generous.
1: Yes, it, largely generous. And if you're going into Chafe, it's... It's great. You don't need the, you don't need hot frost. You're just doing a ton of damage (laughs) to
0: to go back to the, the the kangaroo comment around the wind charges. I think part of the challenge is it's around the similar points to the dawn riders. And I would probably just find the dawn riders more valuable in most situations. Absolutely. I think for me, that's kind of where, like, I'm not going to take both. And if I'm going to take one, it's dawn riders every day of the week. Unfortunately, if the points were different, or if there was a, a meta where wards were just like absolutely out of control, um, sure the the extra piling stuff is neat, but it doesn't outweigh what the Dawnbriders bring consistently.
1: Absolutely. I agree. Uh, and they have Shining Company. like they just they get the bonuses. So why not? And they cast. <laughs> that's so awesome.
0: Again, it's just like, and, and that's why I'm saying it's more <laughs> argument. There's just more things that I need from Dawn Riders than I do from the Kangaroos, other than them bloody being cool models. What, one thing I did want to ask, because I found a lot of value in this in my Gitz army. You're like, wait a second, why is he talking gits? And it's the magical boost... Um, Aether quartz. So I've been playing a lot of bad snatchers, which is a subfaction in the gits that almost nobody runs. I'm like one of those mad lads, you know, in my, you know, having too many mushrooms. But one of the one of the rules that I get as a bad snatcher is that I can uh, re-roll a one one of the dice on a spell cast, which has been really interesting to get me out of um, miscasts. Uh, it's helped me. Uh, Against corn, especially when that that um, skull alters around and can do even more pain if I miscast. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah, like and like yeah. Even though I can't add a primal magic dice to that roll because I've done a re-roll, it's gotten me out of a lot of situations and it's allowed me to cast things that I would normally want to cast that I don't want to put a primal magic dice. I get more consistency from my spell casting. Have you found that also true at all? Or that's not really a worry for you? Like you just go plus one to casting all the time.
1: It's actually really rare. So I look at Magical Boost as my uh, my red button for this cast. Uh, rarely will I actually use the plus one unless it's like the clutchest thing I need. Like if I'm just in the most dire situations and I'm like, this spell has to go, I'll do it. But other than that, it is my reroll to cast. Because... That we have a lot of reroll to cast protections, but our hero, or our non-heroes do not, because we have the shrine. You know, the shrine will benefit our heroes once per battle round. No, I think it's once per turn for that one. It's once per battle round for the command point. Uh, once, per it, once per turn,
0: once cleansing yeah. rituals, once per turn.
1: Yeah, and then if you have it occupied, you can get the command point once per battle round. But uh, our heroes have that protection to reroll a miscast, but our Other units do not. So I'll hold that Aether Quartz for that situation if I don't need to blow it for a defensive. Um, That's the only way I look at it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, same as me. Like, being able to get out of miscast is obviously the number one important thing. Oh, yeah. The The plus one's nice, but, you know... And you know what? If you really want to go hard on Horfrost or Blizzard or any spell, you could always go the plus ones of the cast plus the primal magic dice once you know you're not in uh, miscast territory. So, uh, you know, sit on Arcane, get another plus ones. You really need this spell off. You've got plenty of tools to to increase that cast. Absolutely. He'll do it on the law seeker and pop it you know blizzard blizzard immediately um, <laughs> blizzard. <laughs> which, which gets us into a, a conversation soon but not yet we'll hold it off for now okay. until we get into deep thinker territory but of the great nations are there ones that you really like in this particular season like is Zytrek, as, as an example just another way to lean into the magic when you're not taking teclas or is there something here that you're like there's a sleeper?
1: So Zytrek is huge, especially in this current GHB. Um, and it's also the rhyme and reason to my list. Like who, who could complain about more reliable spells? You know what I mean? Um, I basically look at it as all of my spells that I've taken on each of my units are one less casting value because of this um, sub-faction alone. And I think that that reliability is huge to us. Um, and especially when it goes into unbinding your opponents. Uh, that extra plus one just goes a long way. The second best here, obviously, is going to be Eumetrica with these new rules. I only look at these new rules as all-out defenses now. Like, okay, so if you just play all units, you have an automatic all-out defense at all times. And then if you play Eumetrica, you have an automatic all-out defense twice. <laughs> on all your units at all times because it's that's a huge impactful rule like we haven't seen what that's going to do to the meta yet either we don't have a whole lot of information um we don't have a lot of umetrica players that are uh, maybe we do but i just haven't seen them yet that are going out and putting this to the test and i think that there's a huge amount of power here but as far as the other ones are concerned on took that hit i don't think that that one's going anywhere Sire is great if you like aether Quartz, but you have to take a cathilar if you want to get anywhere. Uh, alumnia, uh, counting on objectives, if uh, it's okay, you know, but it's we're so paper thin that we're gonna be under the amount at some point anyway <laughs> if we're taking any losses, and then uh, Iliathas. You know, if you want to all out defense twice, that's, or not, well, you know, blow your Aether Courts for the defensive boost twice. Sure. That's great. But you still need a cathler there because you need it. Well, no, I think the cathler can only slingshot or, or absorb one of those and slingshot it to an enemy unit in the same phase. I don't think it can do it twice. Don't quote me on that. But I don't think that's possible. How dare I don't, you not
0: know every single rule of every single, uh, this, this type of book? I do want to ask you, though, about Umetrica, because um, one of the comments that I hear often with metrica is obviously, you know, yeah, you can reduce the Rend, which is great right now because people are putting hoarfrost trying to get, like, Rend 3 on a billion attacks where possible, but the metrica uh, sorry, the, like, your Alarith, like, your Stone Guard only get a ward against Mortal Wounds, and they're finding that you pay a lot a lot of points for it. But maybe not getting the most value out of Stone Guard, or maybe a, a, a struggling to get the value out of Stone Guard, especially with that, well, they don't take a lot of mortal wounds on objectives. So I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So y- yes, the Alarith army lists I think need to have protection, especially in this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna admit this now. This extremely mortal wound heavy Edition, we're in. Everything's getting mortal wounds, and a lot of things are getting mortal wounds when it dies. Everything is getting mortal wounds. And so, outside of the Stone Guard save, if you're sitting on an objective, we need to have an answer for that. And our cows suffer immeasurably when we're taking mortal wounds and we don't have a ward. Like, it's, it's really bad. And those spirits of the mountain, you can't even uh, heal those because they're not heroes. You can't use your heroic recovery. To bring them back into the fray, so you're considering what do you want to bring? Emerald Life Swarm, like that's sixty points for something that got nerfed and still stayed, stayed the same price. Yeah. Like it's it's a tough place right now. It's great that we can keep our um, our Stone Mage nearby and fight on full bracket, but those cows will drop, especially if you pump a lot of Mortal Wounds in there. So I don't think we have a lot without protection to some degree.
0: Yeah, I think that's the challenge, right, is people have played around with your Stone Guard types of list, and people talk about how, immob- you know, how hard it can be to move a unit of 10 off an objective. And if you can put damage through, through Rend as opposed to Mortal Wounds, if your only source of damage is mostly Mortal Wounds, you will get a lot of value. There's a lot, oh, you know, absolutely. getting a four up or you get to the Stone Guard before they get onto an objective so you can chip away at them. That also helps. But, yeah, it's interesting one with Hoarfrost being able to get up to Ren 3.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you could have clan rats Ren 3 in you. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: yeah, when it was only like Ren 1, Ren 2, you can normally absorb it with the Metrica build. But, anyway, I'm kind of harping on this. I think a lot of people are trying to work out what's the best way to... No, I think people are still struggling... On what's the best way to kind of make the most of stone guard because they are a big point sink, especially because you w- probably want to reinforce in at least one unit, if not two. Uh, and then you, your points start quickly creeping up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that attests to the, the list I currently run. Yep.
0: All right. We, and by the way, Jared has talked lists many times, rest assured, new people to the channel lists are coming we will talk. <laughs> least, we'll get to that point but anything else you'd mention on the great nations i think you know zytrek i think just to one call out as well zytrek with the dispelling and unbinding is probably the more impactful thing for me because there's been so many times in this season where i've equaled the casting value of my opponent or sorry i've equaled the dispelling role or the unbinding role and i've just needed that one extra and i'm like do I want to spend a primal magic dice just to get that one extra? I've already invested one. If I don't invest this last one, then I know your, your, your spell goes through or yada, yada, yep. yada. And I'm like, I just needed that plus one. That plus one would make a difference. <laughs> or if I use a primal magic dice, I rolled a one when I needed a two. Again, like just having that little bit more consistency is, is super impactful right now. Huge. Nothing else? Nothing else. All right, we agree. So, one thing I want to acknowledge is the uh, Nullstone <laughs> adornment, and this will be probably one of the quickest conversations we'll have, although I know you've got some secret sauce. Do you see many Lumineth lists voiding wizards and getting themselves a null stone Adornment?
1: I'd love to see it. I think there's a, a, I, I know a guy in the Lumineth Discord. I don't remember his name off the top of my head but he runs like three foxes and a bunch of kangaroos. I think in that case, you're good. Yeah, you can take one, but you're rarely, if ever, going to find a luminethlist list that doesn't have one spell cast in it.
0: Yeah. So, and, and, well, yeah. And it's also, like, do you even want to trade off of the, you know, you've got so many great spells and so many great spell abilities. Do you even want to sacrifice that? And I think it's hard just to, like, you, you, if you slipped over, you'd find a wizard in your army yeah
1: <laughs> they're hard to miss
0: <laughs> but you were talking to me earlier before we started streaming about some spice around was it the null stone pebble you wanted to kind of talk about
1: uh pocket sand the pouch of null
0: dust and uh, our pouch so this being the double one double two double three are uh, miscasts uh although it is a once per battle artifact so i know things like corn love this Uh, Your Gargans players can love this. Uh, Fire Slayers can love it. It's definitely the most popular of the Nullstone adornments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My most recent uh, experience with that is... I already forgot my opponent's name. That's too bad. Uh, But he had the Pocket Sand. And the best way to play around this is hold your Deep Thinkers off. He was a Corn player. Um, Hold it off. Like, why not hold off deep thinkers and then they're finally like, here, pocket sand. And they could be like, well, great. I'm not casting at all. I'm just going to deep think <laughs> it out and then use my rerolls to try and save myself from any of these unfortunate circumstances of doubles. So that's good tech that I found uh, while playing against him. I knew he had the the pouch of null dust. So I was like, okay, I'm waiting. As soon as he said I'm using it, I was like, all right, deep think, deep think, deep think. Let's go. <laughs>
0: And it does lead you into, as we talked earlier, the re-roll uh, Aether Quartz, being able to like get yourself potentially out of these situations. Yeah. I like In it. the
1: event. But I think even, for, even when that went off, there was a, a lot of units I just chose not to cast with because I was like, I'm not taking the risk.
0: Yeah, it depends on when they do it. Like, often they'll do it either if you declare magical dominance as your uh, battle tactic, or they know, like, turn two to turn three, which is where the, the clutch of the game is, might happen. They go, cook, just drop it. And absolutely. Yeah, it might, you might hold back your attack, or you might have to just accept that you're not, not going to have a particular buff, or you go through your guarantees, like, yep, guarantee auto nine.
1: Yeah, I'll have protection up. I'll have total eclipse. Like, I'll Unless sacrifice it's Blizzard. I'll That's sacrifice
0: it. Blizzard this turn because I just want to get these off. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of Blizzard, we have three new spells, and this is kind of where we're going to get into a little bit of a rules discussion. And folks, uh, know that you know if you're listening to this in the future, Games Workshop may clarify this, but I know there is some discussion and some questions that are happening. I think it's obvious jared i think thinks it's obvious it's obvious let's (laughs) let's let's clarify it so while he has a sip of drink i'm going to assume that rupture will start off there is a useless spell for you you're not going to pick rupture as a spell uh you're probably not taking an incarnate so you, you the the rule change to incarnate being able to affect your own incarnate doesn't impact us whatsoever but being able to either um, turn the the incarnate wild and reduce it a level, or turning a predatory so a spell into a predatory spell, not really a choice unless you're going to take a general with shaman of the chilled land. Is that a fair assumption? And i bought enough time while you had a sip of your drink.
1: Yeah, that is a very fair assumption. I think the time of the uh, incarnates is is coming to an end here. That was a very detrimental spell, and a lot of people, a lot of lists, I should say, do you take the Shaman for all three spells? So you get into that matchup where somebody ruptures you and then commits to killing off the Incarnate. There goes, you know, what, one-fourth of your army? Or how many, how many? I don't know how many yeah, points it's that a, guy at is. At Four 480.
0: Bring... 480.
1: Yeah, it's just Incarnates are gone, I think, for the most part. But you'll still see it. I mean, we'll always see everything.
0: While we're talking incarnates really quickly, is there a place for an incarnate in a Lumineth list or is the points too expensive or it doesn't do enough for what you need?
1: We can't currently commit to that points cost, um, especially with these new rules. But I think old incarnate, we we, we could could find some play there, but not currently. Mm -mm.
0: Point is points, is it that's what's stopping you?
1: Yeah, it's just considerable junk, especially for a lot of things that I want to bring. I mean, sure, you can pin somebody's army up, but this GHB is punishing the, the Incarnate now. It's, it's not worth it.
0: Okay. Just, just for anyone who's considering bringing in an Incarnate, or they're like, oh, I just need something that can hold and pin my opponent while I cast spells and shoot them off the board and do all the things, Incarnate, yeah, could possibly fill that, but probably not the best points investment from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Horfrost. Oh. Hoarfrost, great spell, plays well with Deep Thinkers. Um, you have a lot of units that I believe will benefit either from the hit wound, but more importantly, the rend characteristic change. What are your thoughts on Hoarfrost? Do you like it? And what's the characteristic you like to change? And who's a good recipient?
1: So I love it. I love Hoarfrost. Uh, I think the Honest Wargamer, re- when he reviewed my list, he told me that, well, he told everybody that he made it sound like Horror Frost was the, and I don't think it was his intent by any means, but he made it sound like Horror Frost was the only, was probably my best successful thing in the list. But honestly, I don't think I really ever got it off um, or went for it all that often. Um, there was just something else to do at the time. Uh, my Kathler had a different job. Uh, it just, but when it did, it was nice. And it it would usually go to the Blade Lords, um, especially get your floor, your blows off for those uh, fives and tens um, sized units or the Dawn Riders for an exceptional... I put it on the hooves. I mean, people would be like, what the heck? And it's like, yeah, I'm putting it on the hooves. You know, threes it's, and fours on hooves? That's a lot of hoof attacks.
0: It's <laughs> funny you say that. One of my friends who is <laughs> Lumineth player, uh, Hayden, you know who you are, uh, was literally, the minute he saw Hall Frost. that's the first thing he messes with you. You're like, I'm going to Hoarfrost my uh, Dawn Rider hooves attacks. And the hooves! Like, <laughs> yeah, two attacks. See? Two, like, you're insane. you're insane. Why
1: not? <laughs> you know? Go for it. Um, but also if I checked with my opponent and I knew what the save was and if there wasn't a good save already, I would just switch hoods over to the two up or the threes uh, for more consistent damage. It really just depended on what I was hitting. And a lot of times I'd never have really commit my Dawn riders to a target that had a fantastic armor save. So um, there's, there's some play there. Uh, It's just extra attacks, weight of attacks and, you know, throwing them in and just forcing our mercedes
0: yeah you know getting the rend up in lumineth is is super powerful because really there's not a lot a lot of rend outside of your Alarith style units right right so 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 and like some of them are also hitting on fours so you could bring it down to twos if you really wanted to but like you as you said you know the um the blade lords the attacks. I mean, even if you want to put it on, you know, be super defensive and accept the the warden charge, people are gonna charge into the those wardens, chuck it what well, you chuck it on with the wardens, you chuck it on their I I'd mean, probably they... put it on their
1: wound. Or no, yeah. not their wound, their 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 rend if they're cause if they're getting charged already wounding on threes. Yeah. Um I think I only ever did that once in a match. I yeah. It just it it wasn't it wasn't what my army functioned off of. It was nice to have when I chose to have it, but it wasn't
0: necessary. But it's great. How, how would they be wounding on four a three? Sorry, with the pike,
1: um, because they already have they already wound on fours as is, and so if they get charged, it becomes a three. And then tra- yeah, go on. Oh, it it becomes a three, and then if you've already got the three, then yeah, I ra- might as well have a REN two, I guess you know, or something like that. So.
0: As I asked the question, I actually read the full rules. I'm like, I'm an idiot. I already know this. You plus, when you're charged, you get plus one to wound and yes. you also improve the Ren characteristic by one. So um, you can't modify the characteristic any further. So if you set it as a three, um, you can't then add plus one to make yeah. it Ren four, but you can override that. It just basically means that you, you'd be static at Ren three or Ren two. Like if you only got a Ren two, you can't get it again to Ren 3, because once it's modified, it's modified. You can only modify the dice roll.
1: Yeah, I think there's a math hammer for it, but I, I think I would give it the Ren 2 instead of the Wound 2, but man, there's math there, sure.
0: I, I would agree with you. Like The um, the payoff is... is a, when you look at math hammer and you see the payoff between going for a 4 to a 3 and then a 3 to a 2, the 3 to a 2 actually isn't that great unless you had an industrial amount of attacks. But you don't have that, so it's not that worth it. But Horfrost, great spell, casting value of eight, works with Deep Thinkers. Uh, You have a couple of units that can really benefit from this particular rule. Love it. Absolutely. Let's talk Blizzard. And uh, there's there's some very specific, interesting rules here with Blizzard because, one, you love the mortal wounds. Two, Deep Thinkers come into play. Three, you now only have one of one of the only sources of teleport Blizzard wizards in the game, and um, it's not technically teleport. a teleport. It's not technically a teleport. Yeah, I was, I was about to quotation mark myself <laughs> because my kids loved it. I could teleport using the Hand of Gork. I get into I, I'm outside of uh, nine, but within twelve, roll those primal magic dice, and I would Blizzard you with my wizard. Everyone can't do that anymore.
1: Except for you. Correct. correct.
0: Technically correct. Technically
1: technically correct. The degenerate side of that, I don't know. But uh, with that Lore Seeker, obviously, we set it up three inches away from enemy units if we choose to put it into Lone Agent. So that gives us an opportunity to cast Merciless Blizzard Uh, when the game begins it for an Alpha Strike army. uh, I wouldn't recommend bringing a Lore Seeker if you don't have a one drop only because if you do set it up in a cheeky spot, your opponent might just be like just like, okay, I'll just take care I mean, yeah, sure, that maybe forces your opponent to go first, but you're losing a Lore Seeker right out the gate, and that's just no fun. It's like, uh, I, I brought a Lore Seeker just so I didn't have to go first. Like, you're gonna probably be a one drop, but, you know, if you build up your Antorian Loki, you get good rolls on your Primal Dice, you could potentially Merciless Blizzard, turn one, three inches away if you want it to be a target sure i mean i would recommend it i would be like 11 and 7 eighths from the a target you want to go after but whatever you need to do some people like to jump into and fight in combat make him his finest hour just blizzard something fight
0: die you know sure it's 160 points so you need to be really trading up so if you're gonna do it it's a great tool but you need to be really smart on how you make the most of it because it is almost one tenth one tenth of your army so don't 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 commit it to dying and then you didn't get the value right look for cover look for the right target just because you can doesn't mean you should but um, the there's one thing that I want to call out, and Jared and I were having this discussion. I want to make it really clear, and some of you will get upset with me in the comments section, but I will accept this: is that you cannot use Deep Thinkers on Merciless Blizzard. You cannot go you're read gonna your start, you're going to start some fire. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. But if you look very clearly at the the, the Tome Arada, as per September 2023, can Lumineth Realm Lords Wizard use their Deep Thinker ability to automatically cast a spell that has a casting value of 10 or higher? It specifically says, such as Merciless Blizzard. The answer is no. Now, I don't know what mental gymnastics and rules lawyering you have, but... I err on the side of caution. I think this is very clear. You have to use your Primal Magic dice. It's why Antorian Acolyte Battalion is probably going to be more beneficial to you, but you can't deep think as this. Do you yeah, have a counter argument, Jared, or you have the voice of the other half who believe this?
1: Yeah, I am strictly against it. Not only that, I'm sure you have to really set this up, even if it was a thing, and there's there's ways to fail, but I think on average you will not fail with the potential degenerate things you can do had it been legal. Like Zytrek, Aether Quartz, you're already casting it on an 11 before you start throwing primals into it. So that's going to be really hard for your opponent to interact with, especially if neither one of you guys are getting a lot of primals or anything like that. And most unbinds, your opponent is not getting close to an 11 to start, and you're already doing that. So I... I think there's a little bit of feels bad there i hope they don't rule in favor of it um because i think we don't need to do more feels feels bad in lumineth and i think we as lumineth players can find more power in our book without this <laughs> but yeah right now rules is stated like you cannot do this but there's some gymnastics right now cool
0: I uh, just want to acknowledge that because I know some Lumineth players believe that you can because it does say you automatically cast it and those conditions sound like it's correct. Like it's, But as it doesn't say automatically successfully cast. Like it doesn't actually indicate. And again, the errata is very clear, very yep. clear, very clear. But Blizzard is a good spell. Do you like it? Do you take it often? Is it something that you have in the back pocket? Like talk to me about Blizzard theory in Lumineth.
1: Blizzard wins games, especially right now in the GHB. That's on my Enlightener and my castle when I'm castled up. Uh, my Enlightener is has that 12-inch protection wave around my whole entire castle. Um, I don't really castle entirely. Uh, we'll get to that when we get to the list. But um, I make sure that 12 inches is there. And so if I do get off a Struck or, you know, um, Destruction Armies throw themselves into me or you know like at uh at Salt Lake City Open, Verengard get thrown into me. It's like, okay, well, I'm I know you got a four-up ward, but I'm gonna blizzard you because they're they'll always be together. And the reason for that is is we have a great rule with our bodyguard, and that is the Blade Lords. So if I do roll my ones and I get some bad luck, my Blade Lords will just take all that damage instead of my Enlightener and just blowing up my General. So I just pass them off to them. So uh, we're in a good place with Blizzard. I think it's fantastic. Do I think it needs to go away? Yes. Because it's a lot of damage, but yeah, it's a must take for us. Uh, It definitely protects my castle and Um, Yeah, it wins games, especially when you drop, like, a Scar brand.
0: (laughs) It's definitely changed a little bit now that you can't teleport. So other armies being able to teleport within range Blizzard. So I think let's see how it goes just now that they've made the change. Let's see if it's still impactful. You might find the range go from 12 to 9. You might find something else will happen. But right now, it's a great source of mortal wounds. And I think for you, especially in Lumineth, like I do with Git's, Even though I can't teleport, it's actually not so bad because I've got enough defensive castles to be able to maybe not use it offensively like I used to, but thinking about it defensively where someone comes into my troops or if I'm defending and I've got like a a wall of screens or something durable, you come in with my zone of death, then I blizzard you. If you ignore my zone of death, I retain objectives, I'm not taking damage, and I'm rerouting those attacks somewhere else.
1: Absolutely, especially if it offers us an opportunity to reverse the double turn.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you're you're, you're in 12 and you're like, whoa, wait a second. If I give you the turn, you're going to blizzard me. I really need this key piece. I'm going to take it and get out of that range. So, yeah. and that's where the law seeker psychologically also plays a really good, just because I can. Does that mean like they, they start like playing around with their deployments, trying to zone you out, making sure that you know you're not within 12 inches to to blizzard that key thing, and all of a sudden they're on the backboard. So there's a lot of psychological benefit in addition to actually what it does on the table. Absolutely. Anything else with Blizzard? Like it does stuff. Like actually, I'll ask you one more question about Blizzard. I have I have a theory. So whenever I see a one on my original spell cast. I'm out. I will not use a Primal Magic dice. I'm like, see you later. I could roll a 6 and a 1. As soon as I see that 1, I'm like, I'm out.
1: Bro, I paid for that every time. I I am not doing it. I paid for it every time. I've always rolled the extra 1. I've always done it. I'm not... I won't play the game.
0: <laughs> Even with my 70-point wizards, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm nope. done. Because nope. I can't afford all that damage nope. to the other parts <laughs> of you know army. I, mean? I just can't afford it.
1: No. Nope. <laughs> and especially in a centoy build all your your wizards are relatively close so it is it, not worth it you just now abort mission thank you we'll try again later
0: it's funny my gits is very much like a lumineth build like i'm basically a lumineth player because i do the exact same thing i'm running these bad snatchers all these little wizards in bubbles and yada 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 my all teammate
1: Ted right, so- built a Lumigits realm lords list <laughs> so yeah
0: <laughs> brother from another mother i think i've seen ted's name around a little bit um I, I do know the name do you have any favorite command traits or are you are you have you switched to shaman of the chilled land
1: uh shaman looked great but with uh lore master and the extra battalion for another spell we're looking looking spicy um th- Venari ones are are fine. I don't think you know we relatively need that extra command point. Sometimes I feel like I have too many. Uh, oftentimes, especially if I take my, my shrine, I'm like, oh man, I'm not spending and I need to spin, spin, spend. spend, spend. Um, consummate Warrior, you don't want anybody who's going to go out there and get in melee and die. So we don't really have that good fighter yet. We're waiting. Um, I know we'll eventually get it when Tyrion makes his appearance, but... We just don't have that solid fighter. And that still goes into Almighty Blow. Like, no, we're not doing it. Um, Spellmaster, yeah, no. <laughs> it, I mean, it's great to use Magical Boost uh, when you want it, but there's no reason to have it once per battle. Like, if it was, like, once per battle round, maybe there's a t- some talk in there to try and get a cheeky spell off. But nothing beats master. Loremaster is fantastic. Um, You get to take so many spells because a lot of people, especially when I was at Boise Cup, were like, your list is wrong. Like, how do you have four spells on your general? It's like, well, it's like, how do you have a mix between the lores too? And I'm like, well, think about this. Loremaster specifically states, I get to take two from the Lore Hish. So I commit those two to the Lore Hish. And then I am now delving my one into the lower frost and then with my battalion i'm delving into the same lore again lore of frost so it makes sense but yeah that was a big red flag for a lot of players um especially the corn player i, I faced he's like why do you have four spells you can't do that it's like well let me explain <laughs> uh fast learner is great for a build um i think having a 3m binds is fantastic but i more or less Think of fast learner in my, in respects to my list, as if I potentially can be on the second turn, I already have it. So if I win the roll off and I offer the turn away and I'm on the second turn now with the new Loki rules, um, forgive me, coach. I don't remember exactly what that's called where you get to pick a command point or a Loki to cast and dispel an extra spell. Um, but I always pick, my lightener especially only if it's like a heavy spell casting arm enemy army and i've already got my third unbind on a plus four so i'm i'm happy about that and we'll get to how i'm getting a plus four later but great
0: and I was going to ask you because one of the one of the burning questions is how do you counter Seraphon? And anyone who's been on the the receiving end of you know Techless, the Techless, <laughs> the Croak, <laughs> Croak, uh, the um, the what's his, the Slan, then you've got all the other spellcasters that can do damage. You run out of unbinds really quickly, and especially high quality where you've got an extra. An extra a boost to it or in this case with fast learner, you get the re-roll there there might be some play and maybe i take fast learner if i'm going to my local store and i'm playing against the local seraphon player but i i probably tend to agree with you that law master knowing two extra spells having versatility on the table one thing i've really enjoyed this season is people waking up and realizing that warlord or command entourage doesn't have to just be an extra artifact. You can take an extra triumph, and Git's players learnt this very quickly. Having double basically inspiring presence became really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, getting an extra spell or a prayer can also be valuable. And, you know, for you, an extra artifact, you don't have a lot of killy heroes. You like, get, That utility is probably worth more.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more especially I, when you get that third cast with your enlightener too and you're like oh i have you know mystic shield in the pocket now yay <laughs>
0: it's it's good like even like with my gits i've been basically i'll have like a, a spell from my spell law and then i'll have a spell from the law of frost you know having the utility to either debuff or be offensive or even having redundancy where i've got double hall frost or double merciless blizzard around the table if i lose one threat i've still got it somewhere else and when you've only got it once let's say blizzard is like cool it's going to avoid this or handle this but if I've got it multiple times, it becomes very hard because you just have to accept that you're going to be in Blizzard range and you can't stop yeah. them all.
1: You can't stop them all.
0: <laughs> um, Anything from the Wind Mage or the Stone Mage?
1: Uh, I think fast wind chargers is, is fun, especially if you just want to get close to get your hell on bonus. Uh, sure. Uh, Swift is not hugely necessary for a general's move characteristic. Um, I'm sure somebody could play with that. It's just you're not gaining... A whole lot of value here um, the once per battle again I'm a I'm very much against once per battles uh, I just feel like it's not as effective you need something that consistently um, has an effect on the table at all times um, but now stone mages stone mages so unyielding toughness there's 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 some re- rhyme and reason there I don't currently use it myself but having an extra wound making your stone guard three wounds apiece on a maybe a a double-stacked unit of uh, 15, fantastic. Like, try and move me. Good luck. Um, but like I said, it can be played around. So if your opponent notices it, they'll be like, well, why would I commit extra damage to that unit when I have these other options here? It can be played around. Can everybody do it? No. Can you get your Stone Guard in really inconvenient places for your opponent? Absolutely but it can be played around, and I don't like that part. Um, enduring, no, you don't need an extra three wounds for anything. Tectonically Attuned, uh, within three gets an extra. I thought that was kind of fun for, like, Hellon builds. <laughs> that was kind of cool, give an extra Geomantic Blast back when Helon was a little bit more degenerate. Yeah. Uh, that was great, but no, not anymore. There was
0: There was a window where that was hot, but yeah, Helon changed a little, and then the battle cattle build kind of dro- dipped off a little. I'll shoot
1: you three times a geomantic blast.
0: <laughs> it was so it was ridiculous. I will yeah. I will say though, like gravity defined champion, it does does seem underwhelming. If that was like a plus three to run, like sorry if I, I, sorry, I re roll one run roll. I don't care. Reroll one charge roll can be clutch. Uh, re roll one casting roll can be helpful. Uh, but it's also for the general. Like, I don't want to run by general. If I did, i just make it a six. Uh I don't really want to charge my windmage general.
1: Oh, I was, <laughs> was going to say nothing. that. I was like, do you Why? really want to charge?
0: <laughs> so, realistically, you're taking it for one re-roll to cast, which I don't think I need. Like, No, you
1: have your Aether Chords man. You got your tower. You got your re-rolls.
0: If that was important to you, yeah. You would just go to uh, is it Iliartha as well that can, you know, do, do two eighth of quartz or yeah, no, you get two yeah, two out of that. Good look at me, I know Lumineth. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any favorite artifacts still? Like, uh, you know, Phoenix Stone always seemed popular, uh, Rune of Senthoi seemed popular for a while. Uh, what else, what else was popular builds? Um, Waystone, I used to see a few times on the, on the board, but. Yeah, let me pass it over to you. What What are your favorite artifacts in currently?
1: I think we are currently avoiding the Venari ones. Waystone's kind of cool if you wanted to, you know, jut around a little bit. Uh, but largely, no. There's just so many better things to take. And one of those is being that Phoenix Stone. Like, people who still like to run the techless build or rely on wanting to keep uh, Eltharin around longer than normal, it's great to roll a three up and you know, if you get it, great. It feels wonderful once per battle. If you don't get it, you feel real bad. But to have somebody commit fully to, like, tech lists and kill him, and then him come back feels good. Uh, Silver Wand has a ton of play. Uh, having an extra spell cast, that was, I tell you, when I was brewing my current tournament list, I was so back and forth about, is Silver Wand what I want to take for my battalion or the extra spell? Like, what do I want? And I, you know, I finally... Decided that, I think, spell versatility, especially when we get to that list, um, just paid off more. Runa of My man. Now that thing is nuts. Nuts. The, straight out the gate, because you have to tear through 40 wounds to get to my general anyway, so good luck stopping me. A plus four to unbind. Like, if you bring enough sonari, obviously. If you bring yeah. enough scenario. um, Plus four to unbind? Nuts. We were just talking about Seraphon, and I was like, okay, well, they lost the whole Oracle thing. So they can't be blasting you four times with Deliverance straight out the Oracle. So I have two on plus four. Guess what I'm going after? Your Oracle's very first Deliverance and Comet's Call. I'm I'm good now so what are you gonna do bring croak closer to me I have blade lords and eltharian how close you want to get you want to get within 18 inches okay let's go like let's do it and a lot of people have and eltharian I think has like three croak kills on his belt like bad um runno fantastic in this GHB saying no to people's spells on a plus four and if you're going second three spells on a plus four nuts. And then we have our Shrine Reroll if we don't want to use primals. So if you roll really, really bad, which oftentimes I have, I'll roll like a 1 in or a 3 and not meet it. Then I'll be like, okay, instead of primals, I'm just going to do my Shrine Reroll on the unbind. And then boom, there it is. You know, I'm a 12, 13. Really depends. Just feels great. Just feels really good. Um, the Wind Mage, I was reading about this the other day, and I thought it was funny, but if it happened... Every single, like, if you could do it every turn of yours, um, on your turn, that there there could be some play there. You could mess with a lot of things. Imagine yeeting your wind mage into like a huge brick and then forcing your opponent to pull out, and he can't charge you because he retreated. Like, mm-hmm. there's some there's a little bit of play there. It, it'd be really mean to giants, especially if they don't kill that wind mage for whatever reason because you have to commit the wind mage, but if they don't kill it. Your giant is wasted for a turn, retreating. So, but as a once per battle, okay, we're moving on. <laughs> uh, Windstone, another once per battle. I don't see any play there. Buffeting Aspergillium. No, we still don't see that there. It's nice to put subtract one from hit wound rolls, but once again, who's got a wind mage that close? Mm,
0: and that's the challenge. Who's got a wind mage that close?
1: <laughs> uh, Stone mages. See, now we're back to another good one. The Heartstone Amulet, probably not. We don't need that ward of a fork against mortals. Um, if you're running a, a block, then you probably want to bring protection with you. Never leave home without protection in the Nalorith list, personal opinion. Molten Talisman. Damn, that's good. Alarith units holy within 12. That's stone guard, that's cows, that's avalonor. Like we're all benefiting from add one to wound rolls, excuse me. Uh we're wounding on threes. So we're going to twos. Like this is reliable damage. So I think molten talisman in any Alarith list must have don't leave home without. Got to take it with you. Magma hammer. Please do not get your stone mage close enough to melee to try and make that work for you. Please just don't. Plus <laughs> free radiant,
0: plus one to the number of mortal wounds cast by arcane bolt.
1: Yeah. Okay. Like, S- sling two at twelve, or don't get too close. Don't do it. Don't do it, guys. The yeah. stone mage does not need a fight. He just needs to sit on his little stone, floating in the air, while everybody else does all the work.
0: Yeah. Don't. Do and that. he
1: encourages them.
0: Don't do that. Don't do that at all. The, the Molten is an interesting one as well because you're right, like uh, it, it's quite generous with a 12-inch and you can, with the right combinations, get some good things in there to get all plus one to wound. And there's not many debuffs now to wounds, especially now the poor old Frost Phoenix is disappearing. Um, like... And it means then you can put your Horefrost, instead of getting the wound down, you can put it on the rend. So you've got all that attack for plus one, or you know, the, the Molten Talisman to get a plus one to the wound roll, and you boost it up Horefrost, or you put Horefrost somewhere else.
1: It's nuts good, brother. Nuts good. So I'm very excited to see Alarith um, showing up in the meta with these new rules.
0: I think, I think, I think, you know, the, the path is opening up for them, but I want to rewind really quickly before we go forward. You talked about the, uh, the light of Altharion and uh, I've always loved this unit. And the reason I'm bringing this up is one of the questions that came up was the opinions. So this is a two-parter, right? And, I, and it's a loaded question is uh, opinions, it. opinions on God, go, go or got track uh, and why he should be an order include in every order army. Now, I think this is a loaded question because you have a mini Gotrek in the light of Altharion. So do you take both? Do you take one? And if you took one, which one would it be? Over to you, Jared.
1: Once upon a time, I built a... I called it a Gotrek and Phoenix list where it was (laughs) Gotrek and Altharion, you know, toe-to-toe together, hanging out. But golly, is Gotrek slow? and, what, 500-some-odd points? Golly! I mean, he does the damage. Does he do the damage? If you get him where he needs to go, he does the damage. But in our current meta, there's too many things that people could just throw into him and waste Gautrich for the rest of the game. And I think that that's what ultimately cuts him out of the picture, because I pay a fraction of the cost through Eltharian and get great damage output, great survivability, and just an overall... Amazing combat unit for a fraction of the cost. Like I would I never, just... I I would say back in when Lumineth first came out, I played with Gotrek, and I had fun success at Hammerfest down in Texas. But the same thing, you can just tie him up, and there's your points. They're just sitting there. Like you'll notice in my list everything on average is like 250 or less points. And I love that because that that gives you so much versatility, so many different things to do, more units on the table. Gotrek just takes a chunk, man.
0: Yeah. Gotrek at the 500-ish mark, whatever it works out to be, is a large chunk. And look, you know, in Seraphon or in some other armies, I think you can work around it. For you what's the trade-off and when you have a light of authorian who's currently 230 i would almost just go with the it's it's the the greatest steal since bellacore got points reduction and bellacore is a steal as well but you can't take bellacore uh if i could take a light of authorian in my cities list i absolutely would it'd probably be my first choice it, it's for 230 you're you're trading up you're you're getting, oh, yeah. more, val- you're getting more value out of the light of latharian than what you pay for it
1: huge huge
0: yeah it's got so many good rules like i'm just rereading the rules God, it's so, it's so good, good. for it's...
1: 230
0: it's so great you know you're ignoring modifiers making save rolls you know you're halving damage from missile weapons you're ignoring negative modifiers to hit you're what is it you're doing exploding sixes to hit you are but oh, like, there's just yeah. so many like mortal wounds do six uh, with the fangs There's sixes cause mortal wound you can be annoying to monsters and heroes like it's just
1: like what is there not to love about him and like take for example his uh his perfect swordsman rule you're fighting carriage overlords you're charging into a ship and you're fighting the crew and and your opponent's like no man i'm in garrison i'm minus one to hit and i'm like my man like you cannot change this guy's hit he's gonna hit you on twos no matter what and he's gonna slay the general sitting inside that ship because there's nothing you can do about it he's gonna hit you on twos
0: Ren three for three like that just slaps yeah, you don't you don't you don't fight again at the end of the combat phase. But for two hundred and thirty, it's it's a steal. It's a steal. While we're talking about other like heroes we don't see very often, the twins Eliana and Ella Elithor. um one hundred and ninety. Are they one hundred and ninety? Is it?
1: They 190? took. I thought they were great at what they were, and then they took a price cut to one hundred and ninety. And I was like, you guys, you guys have to be smoking something. So now, in my personal opinion, I have two lights of Eltharian, coach. I have two. And people would be like, well, how? How? Well, not only do they have an inbuilt War Scroll, five of Ward, but if you, like I do in my list, if you give them Ethereal Blessing, they have a three up Unrendable. Hello, Eltharian. And then, so for the first two turns, like how I run the two of these twins, because they're amazing, um, they get the star keywords of Rune of Synthoi. But they play the scenario role. So they're like throwing out like, a, like an endless spell for me or doing some buffs. And then as the game continues, they're ramping it up and becoming Eltharian by turn three. So with, you know, an unrendable three, if you can get it off, a five aboard, if you can get it off, you have this, monster that is extremely difficult to kill because if you have your blade lords next door scenario keyword you can pass off wounds to the blade lords and there's a little bit of a cheeky trick here you cannot do it unless you have the ward save so if you have protection up or their worst goal ability salvation
0: the salvation of Hish
1: yes if you have those up that is the only way you can pick and choose wounds on the twins and be like, okay, well, I'm only going to stockpile six. And then I'm going to throw the rest off to my blade lords. And then you roll your dice and the twins disappear and heal D six. And you're like, yay. You know, but that's the only way it works because per the rules, um, you cannot pass off pick and choose passing off wounds um, to blade lords, unless you have a ward save. So they're wound batteries for me. They're fantastic. I can't believe they're 190 points. I'm so glad to see this. I think when they first came out, Coach, they were like 300-some-odd points, and everybody was like, I will never take those guys. Yeah, they were,
0: they were 300. I remember looking at them and going, yeah, no, nah, there's no way nah. i am 300 in, in them. But, you know, between the interactions with battle tactics, the points discounts, you know, yeah, look, you've really got to, like, use this piece because, as you said, it gears up throughout the game and we know a lot of games are kind of determined by around turn three you know four at the latest but really like turn two turn three is clutch so how you get the most value out of them up until turn three is going to be critical on if that 190 points is well spent but it does offer a lot of great value and this is the challenge you've got a lot of great choices it's it's what slots into where and and the tough choices that need to be made
1: yeah, they they're fantastic. They've just done so much work. And I because of that blade lord rule, even though they have one damage on that big sword turn 1, I'm throwing them in combat. They're fighting. I don't care. They're fighting and if they teleport away by any luck, I'm still in a point or something. Like it's just great. They're awesome. I have never had so much fun with like a model like this. I think they're fantastic at 190. I don't want to say that they're a must-take, but I want to say they're a must-take. They're awesome. They're fantastic. Value. And then when you tell your opponent how much damage is that, and, they're like, and you're like, oh, that's 10 damage, or that's 15 damage. and like, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's battle round 5. He's like, oh, it is battle round 5. It's like, yes, that's 15 damage. Like, so wow.
0: just, so j- just to be clear and clarify for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. So one of the melee weapons. So four attacks, twos, threes, rend two, and the damage is an asterisk, and the the damage is uh that's the the, the battle round.
1: Oh yeah, battle round number.
0: Uh, the battle round. So obviously battle round three. That's three damage. That's a maximum of twelve. Uh, if it's battle round five, that's five damage apiece. So oh so good. Uh, very very slappy and they also generate extra command points double unbinder and caster and they get plus one uh to their casting dispelling and unbinding so there's a lot of even if you can ally lumineth it's not a bad little independent piece that is worth considering
1: I, I, absolutely and they mentor your general so if you're playing cities of sigmar and you need extra cp on a four up as long as they're within three of your general you get a cp yeah
0: yeah New cities, new probably not so much, like because of the order mechanic, you probably aren't as hungry. But anyway, like this is not the city's discussion, this is the, right. the Luminef chat. But it's a good call if you need extra CP, bring it in. Happy days. Can't actually go into any order army, isn't it? Some weird rule, yeah. Any order yeah. army, yeah, yeah, it has a weird rule. It's kind of like a mini um Cronspine where it can be included as an ally in any order general, so
1: mm-hmm. it just can't yeah. be a general.
0: No, 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 you definitely can't do that. But you've got a lot of spells to choose from, and I'm going to assume that a lot of the spells that were good before are still good today, whether it is, you know, um, Speed of Hish, whether it's Protection of Hish, whether it's Total Eclipse, whether it is uh, Howling Gale. Um, talk to me about your favorite spell choices, who, why, where, like, what, what do I need to know about spells today? Given that I can also choose whore, frost, blizzard, and rupture. So spells are in abundance.
1: Oh, yes, definitely in abundance here. Solar flare is great. I love solar flare. I have it at least, uh, I think it's on my wardens. Uh, it's good when it comes up. Uh, I tried to use it against Tom and, and the zombies and, you know, it helped out a little bit. It's just, a uh, an unreliable wave clear, and it's nice to have, especially if you have too many spells to take. Uh, protection of Hish, fantastic. Five up ward. If you get inside the shrine and you're measuring from the shrine, you just have all this range to protect your army um, if you're forced to go first, which we'll get to later. Um, overwhelming heat, the combo with gnashing jaws, insane. Okay, I will half your movement to a six and then roll jaws on 3d6 and anything over that is going to be damage on you on a two plus, or you have a really bad movement say or movement uh, characteristic and you're down to a two or a three, anything I roll over you on 3d6 re-rolling when you first bring it out, you're taking immortals on a two up. Like, and I need to mention that two up a lot because coach, I cannot begin to tell you how many times I rolled a one.
0: Uh, it's happened a few times to to me and my opponents where it's just like this massive build up, and you roll the one and you just cry
1: it's like this is gonna be eighteen damn it one okay
0: right. yeah yeah but uh, although like it's also range twenty four which is super generous right and the other thing that I like about it is you know even if you didn't take jaws most armies have like a linchpin that key buff piece that key hero that they want to be in range or they have something right. If you have that, even if it's actually a screen and you don't have a lot of flying, you have the movement on that particular key piece and you might find either the army goes out of their buff ranges or they don't make that full advance because they need to be within range of that piece, which also really means there's maybe less models on the objective. They've claimed less objectives, made their battle tactics harder. So even if without Jaws, it's a good spell.
1: Oh, huge. The utility there is fantastic. Uh, giants... Uh, high speed armies, uh, all of it. But the key here, everybody, because if you don't know it already, I just need to remind it because a lot of times Lumineth players don't. I've noticed that's wholly within 24. It's mm. wholly within 24. It's not 24. It's wholly within. Um, and so when you measure it out, you have to make sure every model in that unit is within range of that 24 inches. Um, ethereal Blessing, it's fantastic, uh, it, especially if you're going into high rent. Um, and there's a lot of that in, like, Iron Jaws. So my initial uh, uh, forward, like, what I offer my opponent turn one, I'll usually have Ethereal Blessing Blessing against the High Rend army on my Blade Lords right out the gate um, because I'm like, okay, I'm not getting a save no matter what I do anyway because you're going to be rending me on three. Um, that's great to have in the pocket. So, uh, you know, don't leave home without, especially if you're running into a High Rend situation or you're about to send somebody in to fight somebody with High Rend. It's great to have uh, total eclipse. We're still Lumineth is still out here causing people nightmares at night. <laughs> total eclipse is mean. It, it really is. It's, it's good. I'm glad the cost went up by one. Um, it's now a nine value. Uh, that makes it a little bit less feels bad. But when that train gets running, it's, it's tough. Like a lot of armies suffer immeasurably when they don't have their command points.
0: Yeah. And like it forces a lot of situations where people are now concerned about battle shocks. They need to reserve two command points that they now are not going to issue somewhere else where, you know, I have seen this happen where the person fails the charge and they just can't afford to spend the extra CP to re-roll the charge because they still need it for battle shock. So you start making a lot of armies make really difficult choices which is obviously a great, or it forces them to then do a uh, heroic uh, leadership to try to get the extra CP to offset that. So like it, it does manipulate and play with your opponent and that's a good thing for you.
1: Yeah, it def- it changes a lot. It changes the game state quick when it resolves. Uh, I purposely left the best for last. Um, Non-Lumineth Realm Lords players, I'm about to share a secret. The rest of the Lumineth Realm Lords players are going to be like, Jared, shut your mouth. But this is the most important spell we've got out of all those Transport, other ones. Speed transporting of Hish.
0: Vortex. Now, <laughs>
1: Speed of Hish, bro. Speed of Hish. Is such a nightmare and such a reality check for players that they don't see it coming because it is, it's just this hidden threat. Everybody's like, nah, I hate protection. Nah, I hate Total Eclipse. I'm going to commit everything to stopping that. And then they're like, how did you get in my face with all this? How did you do that oh I, I just doubled the move characteristics so that slow moving six inch guy is a 12 and they're like dear god it's like yeah and if i have an enlightener i just resolved it twice on a three up and they're like that is the spell i should have waited for because now my biggest piece is about to get lightning reactioned by two very choppy units that i didn't see coming
0: who are good recipients? Who are you want to put, in, put Speed of Hish on? Like, is it is it as obvious as putting it on the Dawn Riders to make them stupidly fast? Or is it, as, as you mentioned, that slow-moving, like, Averith unit? Or, like, what's the what's the source behind this spell?
1: So uh, we're, we're kind of getting into my list a little bit, but uh, turn one recipient is going to be Severith, um, and we'll get into that later. And then if it resolves twice it'll be a Don rider unit. It's never in the the main um, main element. Reason being uh, I don't need it in the first turn for I'm not sending any I'm not eating anybody up the table that is worthwhile on battle round one. So uh, Don Dawn Riders can go up and if they set up you know some chafe in the far far corner to hold an objective they're flying up the table uh, 28 inches and hitting that really quick. And they're like, okay, wow, that's fast. And then Severeth is going his 48, uh, which we'll get into later. But um, from then on, it becomes that instrument for the specific surgery and the operation. It's like, okay, I see you moved your piece over here. It's close enough, I'll measure it out. Okay, you're within range, 12 inches, I need a five inch charge. Then it's like, okay, speed of hish, boom. You know, Eltharian, boom, Blade Lords, let's go. Or Speed of Hish, Blade Lords, Speed of Hish, Elani and Elathor, let's go. Like it shifts like immediately when you get into battle round two and beyond.
0: I've quickly skipped to battle tactic because I just want to call this one out and then we'll go back to where we were. Although I think we've kind of wrapped up spells for a second. Do you find Speed of Hish is really helpful for you to score Surround and Destroy? But given that, you know, being able to like move out to the sides of the board, because you don't have that natural speed. And do you take two units of Dawn Riders to do it? Maybe some lists don't, can't afford that luxury. But I imagine speed of Hish is a great way to kind of bring them in. Or when they're on the side of the board, then bring them back into the fray and get them where you need them to be.
1: So coach, I absolutely do that. So when I said I'm a limited castle, uh, everybody's like, oh, you bring Dawn Riders to screen. No, I I don't. I have not screened a single army that I've faced in this GHB with Dawn Riders. They are on the flanks, in position already. Excuse me. In position already. Surround and destroy if I so choose in the, in the first battle round, if I'm ready and willing. Like, they're already there. They're on the corners. They're ready to go. I, I have them out of the way. Usually... You know, roughly within 18 inches, obviously, for speed of Hish. But they're towards the corners already, and they're doing like they do in any type of pitch battlefield. The cavalry is going around the back and getting rid of all the, you know, the chafe while the main elements are fighting each other in the middle. So I, yeah, they're never around. They're on the left flank and the right flank, exactly where they should be in any type of medieval pitch battle,
0: you know. Love it. No, I just wanted to call that out because it's a great way and maybe a consideration. I just had um, a, a chat with a corn player, Blake, and he was talking about similar benefits, but having like things like Furies bringing in some cheap allies, which kind of alludes to what you mentioned about the Canary. You know, that's another great way of bringing in some cheap, fast chaff that could quickly score this battle tactic, could be a screen, could be a nuisance getting into the backfield and speed of hish obviously in your army certainly not with canary would definitely um synergize nicely absolutely anything else about spells i think we've kind of covered it i think the question is what are you trying to do? You've got so many choices, so many wizard options. If you're dropping techless, it means you don't know the entire spell law. So some, some of the tough choices need to be made, and maybe why magnificent knowing an extra spell uh, could be a much better choice than going one drop and you know limiting your spell with your spell choices.
1: Uh, absolutely i think in this ghb we're totally safe not going uh being a one drop anymore we'll get into that but uh as far as like the huracan spells are concerned transportating vortex great we like you know showing up places we're not supposed to be uh healing zypher if you want to keep techless up or maybe eltharian um the howling gale is great but god you're within 12 inches Ugh. um and then the must take for alareth unbreakable stoicism so good, it's so good Make those guys Mortal Wound I think it's in addition too, right? Yeah they I was, mortal I was, in
0: addition. I, Is it?
1: I think so I think you right. um, e- 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 Stone Don't Guard I'll, I'll,
0: I'll have a look I think the
1: Stone Guard work in addition uh, But you're doing it on fives Fantastic Like, let's go On a seven, sure With Primal Dice now, reliable We'll get there um crippling vertigo you know we're just messing with like destruction armies people with low bravery skaven whatnot it's great uh you know to manipulate what people do i think the Cathlar already fits that role fantastically um and then living fissure is kind of cool if you want to do some like mortal wounds in a line but it's 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 really not what you're taking you're taking unbreakable stoicism like,
0: just and don't. by the way yeah looking looking at crushing blow on the war scroll as opposed to the spell yeah it's in addition so oh so good uh, so good. Very, very nice. Although healing healing Zephyr, I know you know we don't have a lot of spells, but you talked about the um the Alarith, not the hero, the this the monster version. Yeah, not, spirit. The, not yeah, the spirit, uh spirit of the mountain. You wouldn't be able to heal it with like heroic recovery. This might be a way for you to bring in a heal without paying for uh, life swarm, but do you want to take a hurricane wizard to do so? might be might be tax too too great yeah just just take the emerald life swarm i guess <laughs> <laughs> or accept that it's going to die uh i'm going to ignore the fact that wizard finders of antor are on this screen because again the for you to for you to to not put a wizard in this battalion is probably going to be hard although you can you obviously can like if you want to build around like your alarith um, you know but I imagine the the cream of the crop here and why you might want to avoid the the Battle Rage, or at least go Battle Rage plus X, is Antorian Acolytes. This, to me, is such a good trade-off for being one drop. The Primal Magic dice is worth it.
1: Absolutely. I think uh, you're not leaving home without this. Not only do you want to dominate your opponent's magic phase, you want to dominate your own. You, this is a fantastic battalion for Lumineth Realm Lords. Don't leave home without it if you can help it. People who have it and you don't, you're going to feel it. You'll feel it. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, I can't say more other than don't leave home without. But I understand in some techless builds, it's, it's extremely hard to do because you're committing so many points to heroes. You're already probably at a grand by the time you have two uh, little Lokis and techless but Wizard Finders does have play, so um, people who have been taking the list that I was running and like messing around with it, I saw a banner blade and two double stacked blade lords in this Wizard Finder's of Antor. I like this. I think it's great. Um, Will you always get an opportunity to get the extra attack on perfect strike? No. Not all the time, especially if your opponent is smart and knows that you have that ability to do so, which you should tell your opponent. You cannot gotcha your opponent with this. You have to be like, hey, I have perfect strike, which means one attack, two up mortal. But if I'm fighting one of your mages, it's going to be two. So I'm going to be hitting you with, you know, I think 10 is 11, 22, two ups for mortals on a 10 man blade lord unit. Terrifying. And then people will just leave the Blade Lord like in the shrine or something like that, and then call in his blast on the table like once per battle or do their thing. Uh, get the rerolls to charge. That's fantastic. But there's play. There's I, play. I, know the,
0: I know the theory sounds good, but would you actually take this to a tournament? Would you actually choose Wizard Finders over every other battalion that's available to you? I, I struggle to justify it.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree. Yeah. Even in a Gits build, I'm like, I've got too many. I've got too many heroes, but I still would go uh, a command entourage. I would go this Antorian acolytes. I would go for battle reg or warlord. And already I've hit my my hero cap, and I'm done.
1: Yeah. Antorian acolytes is the clear shot winner here
0: yeah the, the minute that you play with an extra primal magic dice from your opponent you use, you you see the benefit of this battalion the amount of times where me and my opponent have failed the initial roll for a primal dice and then i've gotten one has given me advantage or yep. we've both got one and i've got an extra one all of a sudden there is a it's like okay well you can i've got one more extra dice to you especially in unbinding where it's like i don't have to worry about miscasting on an unbind I can throw every resource I have at you where you've only got one tool and, and, you know, maybe you've only got that one dice to get Blizzard off and, you know, 3D6. I got you don't. <laughs> average of 3D6 is a 10 and having that extra primal dice would have tipped you over.
1: Yep. Don't leave Sorry. home without. Don't leave home.
0: So you would argue that this, you either would go Battle Reg and Antorian Acolytes. Or other combination, like, you know, in most lists or in a good list, you would see benefit not just going pure one drop and the Antorian Acolytes is worth going to three drop at minimum.
1: I'll be honest with you, Coach. This is how I see it. you either one drop or you're all the drops. I live by that. I live by that creed on everything. I'm either one drop or I'm all of them. Because am seeing- you commit to the one drop and you have an opponent who's got the one drop, wh- wh- what's the bonus here? You guys, you guys got a dice roll that's going to determine whether or not you're going to get something great. And then you have the vice to that, which is being all the drops, and you get all these additional goodies. You get acolytes. You get extra spells, extra artifacts. All- Why not dig into the goodies? Dig into the goodies while the time is good. So you're either one drop or you're all of them. That's just my stance
0: yeah that's fair i I, I can't find a
1: two drop or a three drop because if somebody's a one drop they got you bro they got you yeah
0: i I agree i've always been oh i don't care about drops i am what i am i'm warlording i'm commanding entouraging i'm getting all the getting extra i'm getting i I would much value that over one drop because i'm never trying to alpha you in turn one i'm never trying to i don't care who goes first who goes second yeah i don't care you give it to me, I'll do these things. If you yeah. take it, I will do these things. Like I just, I don't, I don't care about going first.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and I'd say uh, Realm Lords are arguably the most, one of the most defensive armies on getting forced to go first. So. Do you think that's changed
0: a little bit when Sentinels kind of lost some of their their output? Because, like, you used to see a lot of, like, one drops and, you know, sentinels would drop a whole bunch of damage, you know, from long range before I got a chance. You put up your Cathalore things. You, you know, you've really, like, you know, impacted me before I rolled the dice.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, with the sentinel changes, um, it 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 made a huge impact, but I think the survivability portion of it has stayed the same. Mm. So um, being one of the best defensive armies for being forced to go first, I think still remain the same, but what to your point um, that would have been best defensive armies along with an ability to really hurt you we really bad, like right out the gate. Oh, I'm going to make you go first. Well, now I'm completely buffed and that's a nice uh, unit. You got there that I'm going to, I don't remember what that old spell was called. That was horrific, but you got to reroll your hits against the target yeah, you cast Dark the days. umbral spell, umbral spell portal, get
0: it get through the yeah. portal, and, and, you know...
1: And then, so you re-roll your hits on a 30 block, it's like, oh, god. So, yeah, I think, still remain, even with the changes, one of the most defensive armies to get forced to go first, so we don't care, we don't,
0: we don't care. If you're a one-drop person listening to this, I hope you have now some confidence to maybe look outside of one-drop. It's still great. like Don't get me wrong, but have a plan on what you want to do. I just think there's a lot of great benefits, even if it's like double extra spell or an extra uh, uh, triumph or uh, an extra artifact. Like th- those things, to me, are more valuable than one-drop. Uh, maybe you have something different in, in your build. Any favorite Grand Strat? Without going through all of them, like do you have a favorite Grand Strat? Is it Spellcasting savant? Have you swapped over, or are you sticking in the Lumineth side?
1: Good luck killing my general when you have to tear through 40 wounds of Blade Lord. Spellcasting Savant. Yes, thank you. So good. So, so good. But on the Alarith side, obviously, uh, I love Alarith Aftershock. Um, if if you got tabled, you got tabled. You don't deserve a Grand Strat anyway. But if you didn't get tabled, then there, you for sure got a couple of extremely survivable units to benefit from All-earth after Aftershock. So great. But those are, two, those are two of the main ones. Don't leave home without, depending on what you're playing.
0: Yeah, I would uh, agree. Yeah, yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot of uh, hurricane units on the board, so I probably wouldn't be doing Cyclone. Uh, Scenari in Illumination, meh. I mean, that it, it, it just feels like a much more restrictive version of uh, Control the Nexus. Oh, no, Control the Nexus, sorry. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Like Baron Icecapes or, or Control the Nexus, like I'd rather, yeah. Those seem a bit easier than the keywording into scenario illumination. Yeah. All right. Seems pretty obvious. Spellcasting, oh, yeah, Savant, and, <laughs> and or Alarith Aftershock. Any particular favorite battle tactics? Like, uh, again, without going through all of them, because I think we could be here for 10 years talking about them. Um, are there ones that you find you use more than others, uh, whether it's from your book or whether it's from your GHB?
1: Absolutely. So Lumineth Realm Wars, were for our bad win rate, because everybody's saying hey, all the armies at the top are the ones with the best battle tactics. Well, we, we have those too, depending on how you build your army. Um, we're very well taken care of. Uh, like you are you have so many options straight out the gate. You got the Hishmade Manifest, uh, especially if you're multiple drops and your opponent drops out before you, you can drop 30 inches out. Uh, making sure you can get your two endless spells going. Uh, we could do the cast. Uh, I think it's cast four with or cast. Uh, where is no. that? Cast four. Blind, uh, blind, bl- 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 the enemy. You control. Yeah, cast the, uh, four, four, and four units. Great. You can unbind me. I don't care. I still get it if I'm successful. Um, you know, and then you know, as the we you know magical dominance, we have that too. If you. Uh, depending, that's matchup dependent because you really don't just want to have one spell to cast, but uh, oftentimes I'll deploy in such a way where actually most of my, depending on the mission, of course, most of my casters are actually outside of 30 inches of my opponent, um, especially if they drop before me. So magical dominance, you you see you already have three and it's turn one. Like, come on. Um, And then as the game progresses, you have the old, um, uh, which one is it? The... Ignore the odds for when you're you're fighting in combat um, and you just need to destroy a unit. So, you know, kill something. Conserve Aether Quartz, kill a unit, don't use your Aether Quartz. Like, golly, we're sitting so good in this edition. So, so good. Um, I never have done magical mayhem to kill somebody off with magic. I don't trust it enough. I wish I did, but my specific list does not have extreme offensive spells. Um, Let into the Maelstrom is fantastic. You get. Your double speed of hish. Most of the, you know, the units in my list are all battle line except for like one unit of Dawn rider. So fantastic. Surround and destroy. Like coach we're solid. Like if we're, if you're struggling on tactics, it's because you built a list that would intentionally remove a lot of these options from you, which Alara suffer from to some degree.
0: Yeah. I feel like you have a quite a generous offering and, uh, it's too
1: generous. It's so good.
0: I mean, I wouldn't say it's too generous. You're not like Zinch and some of the, like, you know, you're not doing it as a camera. It's like, right. you, turn up, you turn up, you get five out of five battle tactics, right? But you you, you, you you're very much fail.
1: More... You can still fail these.
0: And you know what? Things like bait and trap could be perfect for why you take two units of Dawn Riders, you know, um, there's there's so many, there's so many good options here. I think, you know, reprisal, if it happens, it happens, but let's not try to get our general dead uh, if we possibly can, which kind of leads into your list. So um, we've alluded many times to we're sneaking into our list. We'll get get to our list. Well, here we are. We're at the list. So this is your salt lake list. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Correct. This is the one I've been running all GHB.
0: Cool. So, for the people listening in audio form, I'll read it out, and then you can maybe explain some of the combinations and, sure. and how it works, and, and what, what do I need to know about this list? So, you got your Cathalar with the Total Eclipse and Hordfrost. Probably worth calling out, folks, that there is a Warlord here uh, with the spell enhancement, so you'll see double spell on a lot of things. So, Cathalar has Total Eclipse and Hordfrost. Enlightener is the general, is the lawmaster with the rune of Senthoi, with Hoarfrost, Blizzard, Speed of Hish, Protection of Hish. That's right, four spells. You have the Light of Altarian, you have the twins, you are the Eleanor and Elthor uh, with, with Ethereal Blessing and Overwhelming Heat. You have Severeth, uh, you have a two units of ten blade lords, a unit of ten wardens with the uh, Total eclipse and solar flare. You have two units of five dawn riders with overwhelming heat. Speed of hish. Uh, you have grave tide. You have the twin, the hishian twin stones and ravenashing jaws. Nineteen eighty. Entorian uh, acolytes and warlord. Talk to me. What? How does this work? What do I need to know about this list?
1: Okay. Uh, let's start from the top here. So. Uh, Cathalar is extremely important. Um, I feel like it just outright shuts down a lot of matchups for you uh, through Darkness of the Soul. So if you're up against low bravery armies, uh, especially with the fact that you're frisbeeing your Aether Quartz within 18 inches to uh, enemy units and making them a permanent minus one bravery as Aether Quartz is being expended across the battlefield, you are shutting down those units from acting and i think the worst thing i've ever done to somebody i think it was one of the trentinelli brothers i felt so bad he had like six you know he had the the double stacked uh what are the rattling what are the ogres from skaven that have all the guys yeah you're right
0: you are you storm fiends or storm you so he had that
1: storm fiend like maxed out build and when Darkness of the Soul hit, that's six hundred and I think it was six hundred and eighty points of his army on a bravery five or a six. It was so bad. It was like two D six, okay, they can't do anything. Two D six, okay, they can't do anything. He's like, this is BS. I was like, uh, oh, yeah, I know. As a yeah. as a
0: squeak as a squeak player, that terrifies me.
1: Yeah, like, you're like, like you're,
0: oh the like, bravery, bravery is three natively. So you become
1: a two with an Aether Chords? <laughs> I just don't leave home without with this one if you want to shut out certain matchups, She reacts to that. She's work, walking with the castle already. She cannot be outright sniped because of the blade lords. She moves forward, she denies certain armies from getting away with things. Uh Enlightener crucial to the build. Uh usually takes the shrine turn one. I like to set her up. So I have the shrine pretty aggressive but enough to be where my enlightener is set up 30 inches away from from all enemy heroes and wizards. Like outside of thirty, but within six inches of the shrine. So when I'm forced to go first, I'm able to get my spells off, and then also jump in my shrine um, and blow out my uh, my defensives. And I like to place that shrine right between two objectives, uh, or if it if that's what the the mission offers you. Or, you know, somewhere close to the center where you have multiple options and I have it well-measured to where I can stand near them and still get, you know, protection if I need it. Uh, Fantastic. She protects you when you start moving out of the tower and start taking the midfield with the rest of your Blade Lords um, because she's got the protection of Merciless Blizzard. Fantastic. And the utility of Speed of Hish to, like we talked about earlier, send two units out there, uh, catch your opponent off guard. You're already midfield. You're going to be able to respond to things. Um, a lot of Eltharian, me and Coach went into this like crazy. He's fantastic. He's just like Gotrick. Um, I like to keep him. Uh, I, I get cheeky with him sometimes. So if I know I'm about to get Alpha Struck, I will set him up to where, with the Blade Lords, um, which we'll, we'll also get into that. But I like to set him up at just the right amount of inches that when somebody tries to commit to what I offer my opponent in deployment... That once they blow out a few units, like a couple or three blade lords, Eltharion is going to be able to respond. He's going to be able to jump into the fray and fight. He's not standing by himself; he's there, he's ready, he's going to fight. And a part of this combo that I run is—it's a lot like three hundred. It's crazy. Um, I have the ten blade lords, and this is what I offer most of my opponents turn one while also navigating my shrine to create bottlenecks. But I'll do blade lords oh, here we go, Bladelords, and then right behind them, I'll have my Spears, because we have 3-inch range. So, when we get charged, like Alpha Strike, because they're only they're attacking what I offered them, because this is all I'm offering them, they're not only hitting Bladelords, but they're getting Speared over the back by Wardens, and if you have, I can't really explain it without drawing it, but if you have Eltharion in just the right spot where he's not going to just take a charge and take a bunch of mortals and die um but to where he can respond to combat as it uh, unfolds it's it's such a pain for your opponent because you're like okay i'm gonna fight you great activation you killed five of my blade lords great job you know 10 wounds awesome all my defenses were up all of my all-out defenses but now i'm gonna respond to you with spears that are taking those positions that just opened eltharion I'm on the best spirit profiles because you charge the spears too, because you were within three inches. You charge them too. Um, and then the blade Lords as well. And it's just like, it's such a detriment to your opponent because they're like, well shit, like, excuse my language, but here we are. Like now we're fighting way more than I bargained for. And that's all you gave me. That's all you offered me to fight. Um, so that, that's the main thing for, like, Lad of Eltharion. Align and Elthor, they fit the similar role. They're with the other set of Blade Lords that I have that roll out on the other side. So I kind of, uh, phantom out, but stay within the, uh, the shrine. Not offer my opponent a chance to get into the shrine to, like, outright kill my, uh, Enlightener. They really can't, because as long as you keep your Blade Lords on turn one within three, or at least one of them within three of that shrine, you can pass off wounds. So, um great utility there. Now, here's the spice. So I'm hoping people who play me in the future don't listen to what I say just, right here.
0: So, f- folks, if Jared, just forget forget what Jared's about to say. Forget and what I'm about or, to say. If, if, if you're, if you're playing, to play ag GT. G-Team, you've got to stop this video right now and come back. To yeah. <laughs> we've, 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 made, we've made this general agreement. People have put their phones down, but please continue. Give me the spice. Right.
1: Here we go. So Severus is insane to this, to this new GHB as well. So what we got here is we've got your Antorian Loki killer. Cut and dry. And most opponents cannot set up their armies in such a way to stop this from happening how it does. So when I already told you guys that I set up that Enlightener outside of 30 inches of my opponent, they're not unbinding my spells because they gave me the first turn. Unless they decided to go first, which is fine for me. I'll have a three cast general for the rest of the game, potentially, if I can win... Priority, but they don't. They always make me go first. I always go first. So um, Severith gets speed of hish, and I will aggressively put him up there. Like he'll already be like almost on the deployment line. Maybe it just depends. Like unless you know your opponent could alpha strike you and hit him, I give him speed of hish, forty-eight inches. He flies at just... the board. He flies at the board and flies over the Loki. Three up, D three mortal wounds. So he flies over the Loki, he's putting maybe on average two mortal wounds on your general or Loki before the going gets tough. And then he lands with that 48 inches, because you just have so much room, it's not even funny, 12 inches away. And I would I would argue that most of you guys should probably angle that, um, never never come straight back to your main army. And the reason for that is... When you're playing against your opponent, he already wants to bring his main element into your main element. So retreating back to your main army is a huge mistake because he's already going that way. He, she, whatever, is already going that way anyway. So you need to make it extremely inconvenient. So what I do is if I'm hitting a unit, I'll have him go off. I'll offset him 12 inches away. So then when you – oh, yeah, and he's getting Finest Hour turn one, which makes most opponents be like, what? Yeah, he's getting Finest Hour. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so because you can wound on twos, hit on twos. So then you go to your shooting phase, and on average, on average, everybody, you should kill a Loki on average. Your dice could betray you. It happens all the time. Rolling ones is a thing. But on average –
0: Twos
1: and twos, four shots, D3 damage, minus three rent. Most Lokis do not have the save to survive that. And they already may have taken wounds on the flyover. So um, you take the shots. If you nail the Loki, which a lot of times it's like, say for like one of my chaos matchups, I went after the sorcerer who has a crappy save and not a lot of wounds. And he's the general of most baron guard armies. He's dead on the very first turn. And your opponent's like, okay, I don't have a general. And we just started the game. And then it gets worse. You do not fully commit Severeth. I have a rule of thumb that everybody really needs to listen to me here. Never commit Severeth until you have bought his points back. You will play the savior, the savior game with him until you have killed enough points to actually make him do weird things around the table, like blow up terrain or scour terrain and, and start messing with stuff and flying around the table and using a six-inch pylon when he charges to mess with stuff. Don't do that. Until you get his points back. So now that it's the end of your shooting phase, he's going to bolt an additional twelve inches back. So he's already at eleven and seven eighths when he shot that general.
0: Oh, I, I was literally about to call this out. So even though the shooting attack is a range eighteen, you need to be within twelve to ignore lookout sir. So yes. well, you still get the minus one penalty to hit. So you'll need to issue all that attack to get it back to twos. But you, if you're going to shoot an Entorian Locus and it's near um, a unit, you're going to have to be within 12.
1: Within 12, yep. uh,
0: So as you mentioned, 11.9 or something, right?
1: Yes. So you'll be at 11 and 7, or yeah, 11.9. Um, and then you're going to take that additional 12-inch move, and you're going to further that distance to the edge of the table from your initial
0: target. And the reason so going, for that is... Going, going back. We're going backwards. Or we no, going not going backwards. You?
1: You're, going, you're going to take... You're going to, you're going to go straight to the corner. More, more corner of the table, like right over here, when your target looks like right here. You're going to go over down
0: here. I guess you're moving away from them.
1: Yeah, you're, but you're making it inconvenient for your opponent to chase. And that's the main point here. That's why you never retreat to your main element. You never come back to your main army. You take a corner. You go left or you go right. And you're, you're fighting your way that direction because now your opponent is faced with a new problem. He has to commit a fast-moving unit to go find him. Whereas if you were to just go back to your main army, then he's just going to come towards you anyway, so he's happy. But now you have to commit something to somebody who's running onto the corner of the table and is still going to cause problems because he's moving 24 inches if he doesn't have speed of hish. Oh, wait, I have... Two Dawn Riders on both sides already. So what do they have? Speed of Hish. So if I really needed it again, it's already on lock and ready to go. Um, That's why I thought it was fantastic just to bring, you know, as their extra spell, Speed of Hish. Why not? Because my spirit is already over there. So he can go to the next place he needs to go, fly over the next person, and start, you know, racking up Loki kills and hero kills and whatnot and get the, you know, the ball rolling until he makes his points back. Huge. Severus is amazing. He's fantastic. This GHB made him even better. He's so good, and I look forward to a lot of people you know, running him and just crushing Lokis and heroes on foot all day. It is so good, and then scouring terrain in the late game. But uh, yeah, a lot of word vomit there, everybody, but he, who, who, most opponents just they don't even want to deploy in such a way to make this not happen to them. It's so tough to do. Like, you have to be so cagey, so wrapped around to just try and deny Severeth from nailing your Loki. Or, or not even, you don't even have to be so close. You have to be so fanned out from everything. Like, it's just tough. It's very tough. Severeth will find a way. He's got 48 inches, he'll find a way. So, Se-
0: Severeth with Speed of Hish can be a pseudo KO. Type of like shoot yeah. you off the board and take out that linchpin, right? And there's a couple of things like Severus' points got reduced uh, to a to a level now that it's worth reconsidering. Yeah, you can't move in both turns, but most armies also can't ch- chase Severus down. To be honest, like no. you are, it's like it's like chasing the magical dragon. Like you will just never get to it. So either you ignore it, which works in your favor, or for most armies, it will be a challenge to chase down. And look, once they get Severus, they'll they'll kill it. Um, but getting it is the challenge, right? So unless you've got, like, long strikes, you've got double shooting bow snakes, or you've got something that has, like, you know, a good amount of damage at range, uh, it's going to be very tough, and most people just ignore Severus. But one thing I want to call out as well here is that when I look at this list, it's not the traditional Lumineth Castle. Like, you have so many independent threats that will spread across the board like a very traditional army that really works in your favor. Then you layer the twin stones to get some extra magic happening. You've got the Grave Tide to get to the Hordes. You've got the Gnashing Jaws in combination with Overwhelming Heat to do quality damage to when you've reduced the, the, the movement characteristic. A lot of cool pieces going on. We've already talked about the Twins. We've already talked about um, the Light of Ultharion. If I was your opponent, I look at this. This is a much harder list to, to crack. Because you, yeah, cool, I go take out the Light of Altharion or I focus on Severith, you've got so many other things that I'm going to worry about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a, a big key point here, everybody, is Hishin Twin Stones is nuts, especially if you like to cast Blizzard. It's it's so good. It, it just starts racking up until it maxes at 6, and you just throw it right into Blizzard, and you're getting it without your Primals, if you don't have Primals. So, because you just need a, if you're in Zytrek, you just need a 5 on 2d6, because if that's maxed up to 6 already there's blizzard
0: yeah i like it i like it a lot um i like it and i like some different combinations i, uh, I yeah i really do like this because i haven't seen a lot of Autharian for ages i've never seen the twins on the table um yeah anything else to call out like, I, I really do like this list and i see why you got success and i also see why some people probably struggle to handle this because you have many threats um You've got some defensive pieces in the wardens as well that can sit on objectives. Um, you've got some really good movement, you've got some some killy pieces, you have some tools to disarm an opponent, as you mentioned, Sethereth, for an example, and you've got some default debuffing, debuffing pieces and they the cathalar. I hate the oh,
1: oh, So good. I like say the, go ahead.
0: No, I was just say like, the Cathalar is like my war god prophet in in Lumineth. Like I, I just look at it. I just roll my eyes. I'm like, I know I'm ready for a bad time. Like I like, right, I'm going to avoid you.
1: Yeah. I'd say the, the only last little shout outs here is uh, overwhelming heat on the Lani and Elathor is a great way to set yourself up for a combo if they teleport. So if they do teleport, you can teleport close enough to, cause they're two cast to overwhelming heat and then jaws. Um, as a combination. So if they do teleport away, you can set them up in a good advantageous position to do a Jaws combo. Um, and then it's also offered to you with your Don, your Dawn Riders on the flank. So you're out there, you have the opportunity, um, go for it. And the last hidden tech piece I wanted to say about this list is the other reason for the Dawn Riders to have speed of hish. Um, other than just maybe helping Severith, is if you do the double speed of Hish to overcommit to something with your units, the Dawn Riders can speed a Hish those guys back in. Hmm. So there's that's that's another big reason why I do that is because the Dawn Riders are already out here in the corners. And so uh, if I overcommit Eltharian and he's way out in Egypt, then he can get speed of Hish from the Dawn Riders and make his way back in.
0: And that's probably one of the challenges a lot of armies have is getting back in from Surround and Destroy back into yeah. the fray without losing a turn. But Speed of Hish really complements you for to, to get them into the fight and, again, still make the most of, of your units. Absolutely. I love it. Any final comments before we go in and prove you a, a different build? All right. Cool. So this is the second list. Um, a little bit more of a Alarith build with your Metrica, but we still see some of the, the key pieces we've talked about. So there is still, you know, the two units of five Dawn Riders, but you've introduced a Stone Mage with the Molten Talisman and the Unbreakable Stoicism. You've got an Enlightener, which is the General, which is the Lawmaster with Blizzard, Speed of Hish and Protection of Hish. You've also got um, Avalonor, the sp- hero... Name Spirit of the Mountain. <laughs> um, two units of 10 Stone Guard, a unit of five Blade Lords. You've got the uh, Alarith Spirit of the Mountain as well. So you've got Double Battle Cattle or Beaver of Secrets. You've got yourself a Grave Tide still. Uh, Drop the the Twin Stones, but uh, the Grave Tide is such great value for it is for 30, thirty points. It's ridiculous the base size and the value you get from Grave Tide. Uh, it is nineteen ninety wrapped up in the Antorian Acolytes and a Battle Regiment. So, how does this list 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 differ? And does the arch- archetype change? Like, is it much more defensive? Is it much less combat-y? Like, how, how does this compare to the other?
1: So um, I, I want to touch base on on Suffocating just real quick. And then, yes, I will absolutely uh, let you know which one that is. So the the coach had a point there. The base size is huge. Think about that when you take, like, Ravnak's Jaws and Grave Gravetide. That's a lot of area denial. And I use that a lot for area denial. So if you do have openings in your in your army you either force your opponent to try and unbind it or you can deny area never forget that denying area is huge and it's great within the spells but anyways this list uh, functions more or less like a, a more solid shield than my last one because you have um, more survivable units uh, in the in the core and I'm still doing the same thing the dawn riders are taking their corners but I have that little cheeky total eclipse so my opponent has to like commit something to try and stay in Unbind Rage as the cavalry's moving up the flanks. Um, and then I have the Antorians in here. So if I have primals, I can reliably try and hope and get to get Total Eclipse off on the edge. Uh, that's why both Dawn riders have it. So if I'm like, oh, look, you're not within range over here, then Total Eclipse, let's go. Um, most people are like, I don't, can't fit Total Eclipse into an All-Earth list. Well, here you go. Um, this also offers the All-Earth list that's Surround and destroy. Um, That's extremely important because Al earth is is very slow. So um, you have the options there. And I know a lot of people are like, how does your battle line look like that? But just so everybody knows, if you don't know already, if you bring a hero, you get one Blade Lord as battle line. So that's why we have two sets of ten Stone Guard and a five Blade Lord. So how this army really functions is the core stays in a very – this is your castle. This is a castle. Um, It moves forward nice and slowly. Um, it finds an opportunity to double speed a hish if it needs to your opponent does not want to charge into you because you have Ontorian acolytes and merciless blizzard ready to go um if primers are looking hot you can you can bust somebody really bad for charging your army and then your spirits also get bonuses to being charged to get an extra attack on their melee weapons when you charge them so they're just loving it this is just this is your everyday move forward with you know two ten stacks Two Spirits and Cenarion Lightener in the back, protecting within that 12-inch bubble of, of Merciless Blizzard. And you have the uh, the Blade Lords on lock to help you uh, mitigate some of that Blizzard hate that you get if you roll a one. Um, and then if you're worried about the other objectives with fast movers, you got your Dawn Riders out there. You got nothing to worry about. You got your Dawn Riders ready to go. Now just send this big, beefy missile right into your opponent. Just straight in there. You're getting all the bonuses from uh, Unbreakable Stoicism and Molten Talisman plus ones to wound. Um, You get bonuses from the Stone Mage for, uh, I think, for not charging, obviously, uh, or moving, uh, which adds, no, it makes it so the Stone Guard, if they don't pile in, they get a a bonus as well. So um, with all these things combined, you just have this very, don't try and charge me because I'm going to hurt you really bad, and then I'm going to get into you at some point, and I'm going to continue to hurt you really bad. So it uh, it basically just functions like that. The core goes down the middle. You take on your opponent's army. You fight it out. Uh, a Valinor is extremely hard to kill because now he ignores one rend, two rend, all out defense, finest hour, Mystic Shield, Aether Quartz uh i think i got to seven when i mapped it out once but who in the yeah, world has minus you, six rind who? coach who's got minus six rind out there
0: <laughs> is idk has a rind five okay, IDK...
1: well, so we're getting somewhere
0: I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure unless they've they've changed the artifact i swear there is a rind five like a sort of like Mathland, or something, (laughs) or or, or unless it's the old book that I'm thinking about. But I remember there's some ridiculous rank five, but other than that, yeah, you know, that's that's overkill. You clearly do not do a a stack of plus seven.
1: Yeah. What good luck. Try, he's so hard to take down. He really is, especially if you have protection up. So hard to take down now with these new rules. It's fantastic. I'm happy to see it. I hope to see more mountain players on the table. I'm not really a mountain player. I'm going to admit it. Um, but I look very forward to it because there's so much play here and it looks fantastic and it's so hard to shift. So they hard are. To shift.
0: They, they are. Like I've played it in, into them a few times and it is hard to handle the Stone Guard, especially when you've got your wards up, your Avalon or, you know, having two, um, I, I I do like having two. And by the way, folks, if you're wondering, like, why why 10 Stone Guard or 130, it's just the app. The app is dumb. It's actually 260 for 10. Uh, the points are correct in the full list. It's just that for some reason when you reinforce, the app is currently not showing the full for some reason. it's need to app fix is it. weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird. But I like it. Like it is much more of a defensive piece. It is much more castly. Uh and I, I like the fact that, you know, you put the Enlightener behind the Stone Guard. One, lifting them is already hard, but when you come in range, I'm going to blizzard you off the board
1: so I'm you create a, you.
0: <laughs> you create this ball of death that uh i, I want to ignore all while your door riders are moving around the board your your spirits of the mountains uh are, you know supporting and moving and like there's a lot of uh really nice pieces that you've got a lot more board control from those four pieces while keeping a, a good core in the center absolutely Anything else in this list? Like, I, I, I dig it. it, it I, I am sad there's some things that just still don't get to see play, but um, no, it's not, that's on, no, it's not on you. It's just, you know, Stormcast Syndrome where there's too many units and uh, yeah, too many competing for it. the same type of role, right? Like, you know, what's it going to take to see a Ballista in the list? And, you know, what's it take to go and see the old, uh, what's the banner person, the old Banner Blade? blade. Oh, I'm yet to see a Banner Blade on the table i know god gosh would it be nice (laughs) makes me sad jared but we are going to go through some rapid fire questions and then uh the ones that we haven't acknowledged so uh first off um what do you think the army is lacking to be competitive again lacking i think they're they're
1: competitive man
0: i think they are let me finish my question (laughs) Or or do you disagree with that statement
1: uh i disagree Absolutely. I disagree because uh, I think we just have a place. It just takes us to look at Lumineth Realm Lords differently than what we're used to. Um, we're used to just writing on Teclis' back. And now if we just take a deep look at the book, you guys will find your place here. Like there is so many great combos. We have a place in this meta. We just need, a, we just need to put in the elbow grease.
0: Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think that is a good demonstration of the last two-odd hours we've had. Another question, that I'm going to change the question because the question I don't like. So Ken from Facebook had mentioned, are there any good competitive lists that are not not Archer spam? And we've already just demonstrated two. We've literally just demonstrated two. So my question that I'm going to reframe for, for our friend Ken is, is there still a place for Archer spam, whether it is a block of 20, a block of 30, two blocks of 20, um, you know, given that we are fighting castles, do you see a use for the Ballista-Sentinel combo still?
1: Uh, I, absolutely. I think there is certainly a, an argument to be made for the Ballista. I, there's still monsters in our meta, and it's it's nice to, hit, you know, rent 2, flat 3 damage them. It does hurt a little bit when their damage doesn't happen. I still think they're slightly over-costed at the moment. But sentinels are very overcosted, and they need to be. And the reason I say that, coach, is because I think, I think, missile weapons need to be hated on a bit. And the, re- the reason for that is, is, it makes a more interactive game for players. And I understand that. I mean, even in medieval times, it probably seemed very what? Uh, what was the 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 uh, longbows versus the French? What was that? The Battle of Agincourt. Like it, it makes a very uninteractive battle because you're putting so many arrows into your opponent. Uh, and, that, you know, a lot of people don't like that. There's some feels bad there. So uh, they could come down quite a bit, but they need to stay relatively expensive because we just don't need to be in a shooting meta. Cities is coming out now with a big shooting meadow. But. <laughs> Yeah, but your, but, your
0: bra- but your bravery shenanigans is going to make them feel like, I'm a Gits player. I hate your bravery shenanigans. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, a
1: Gits player. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, all, I'm also a Cities player. I hate your bravery shenanigans. So um, that that's probably where you probably lean into a lot. And either, I've got crappy movement. I've got crappy bravery. you got some tools there to handle my Cities as well. So that scares me.
1: Yeah, for the points cost, Coach, Sentinels are just, they're out.
0: No, that's fair. That's that's, that's fair. I think it, they're they're paying for the sins of the past. Right now, they were too Absolutely. good for too long, um, but you know, you, you know, long strikes are kind of dropped off the bat. There's, there's a few things I think as shooting mechanic probably needs to change so we don't get these crazy blowouts. But hey, KO is running around, and I think probably. Your comments around Severeth is kind of shown that maybe it's not Sentinels but rather actually Severeth. and I really like the movement that you talked about. I love the shenanigans and even if you're not just zipping over them to do damage, being able to pick them out, the Ren 3-3 attacks, being just outside of – just inside of 12, there's some so – that is spicy. Spellcasting Zavant is going to be hard to avoid. Any of these critical, like, Blizzards and Hall frosts or even, you know, Antorian... If someone's got Antorian Acolytes, remove one of the two if they've only just minimum met the Battalion, they lose the extra Primal Dice. That, Severeth, love, <laughs> love it.
1: So good. Please don't I mean, use it against me if you see me in a tournament, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I could bring a Severeth into my cities, I think. I think we can Lumineth. F- I
1: think so. That's the right amount yeah. of points. We have, what, yeah, we- a 400-point allotment?
0: Yeah, and yeah. no, I was just more thinking because I, I do have the the um, settlers gain, which is the Lumineth city. Oh um, well, yeah. Of other, yeah, I, mean, look, I got a narrative there. Like I'm a narrative player, I can bring my Severus <laughs> into my cities with my Fusiliers. I love or that. Maybe, or maybe my Idol Severeth, along with all my Flagellants and the Pope. Uh, <laughs> what about allies? What about allies? Like um, Jace was saying, you know, things like Tree Lord, Tree Rab, Storm Drake, uh, Quest, the the, the new quest or Soul Sworn, Chariots. Like would you bring in a Mega Gargan? Do you how do you think allies end and what's the role maybe that an ally could fill into Illuminati least? I think that's the better question, right? Because there's a lot of choices, but what's the role we're trying to fill?
1: So um the role we're trying to fill is uh unpredictable movement. And that's that's uh, that's just personal feeling. I mean, other people will probably look at it differently, but that's why I consider the tree revenants. I liked the un- unpredictability of your opponent being forced to Commit his assets to making sure you can't just steal something from him. And that can be rather huge. Um, that's why the uh, the Kanarai are great, because I think mm. their lowest-costed one is like 90 points, Coach, uh, or somewhere around there. Uh, the the melee ones are like 90 points or something. It was for such a low cost, your opponent, if he's playing a hyper-elite army, has to commit something way too expensive just to make sure you don't show up behind him and steal his objectives from him. Or, you know, this, this, or that. So I think there's there's still a rhyme and reason there. But we have really cheap units in Lumineth. We have really cheap units that are fast. So I, absolutely, I think we could branch out into allies. But you'd probably feel safe at home with just pure Lumineth.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Canary, a good example, 100 points for the shooting ones. It also can move after shooting, so that could help you in certain areas. But, you know, Tree Revs, I think, another good example. I think the question is, like, what are you trying to fill and what's the gap that you can't currently fill in? And it might actually be combat. Like, if you think that you don't have enough combat prowess, then maybe, or or you know what, you need, like, a a big wound sink. Yeah, maybe the Gargant Bundo bundo whale biter could be bundo something that, he, he, he's, he's 35 wounds of fun that will just pin you in and let you do your thing but i think to your point like you've got too many great choices and you're probably natively better to stay in-house but maybe yeah, tree revs or, or canary would be too it maybe i would lean into
1: i saw an argument coach for the uh uh that i didn't deepkin melee tide guy who is that they they have those their spirits spirits of the water i call them but there was an argument there that
0: are the eidolon the eidolon is the the combat eidolon and then there's the um the 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 magic eidolon
1: i think it's the magic one actually i think there was an argument there that the magic one might be good as an ally or it was the combat one i don't remember but i'm definitely looking into that right now and, and trying to do some considerations
0: See, my argument to you or my counter to you would be uh, I would look at the sharks over the Eidolon because the shark with their shooting attack, if they do, I think if they hit, um, they stop you from piling in. So there's another shenanigan there.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't like getting piled in on. That's like old Fox shenanigans.
0: <laughs> it's, it's an independent threat piece. Like it's one model. So it could be moving around the board. It could be supporting the Dawn Riders. It could be running around with Fox and like this. And this, that plays into the Luminous shenanigans. But again, what do you need? Do you need more shooting? Do you need more shenanigans? Or do you need combat, an anvil, you know, et cetera, et cetera absolutely uh how do you make wardens blade, uh, blade lords uh how do you make the most of them outside of your battle line tax i think you've you've given some good examples right so whether it's you know through the blade lords i like your combination of the blade lords being backed by the wardens um outside of that I, we talk about you know the hoarfrost. anything else here comes to mind when it comes to like making the most of wardens and blade lords
1: I would say uh, most of the time you guys will rarely ever use Floria blows. Uh, I'd say it just never really came up. It's perfect strikes just so good depending on what you run into, unless it's like zombies or skeletons. Um they're Blade Lords are fitting a different role now. They are bodyguards, but now they're a really tanky, cheap, double-stacked battle line. If you've got your scenario heroes checked out. And I think they are Obviously, replacing the wardens, coach, because wardens I think are extremely overcosted at the moment. At 150, I don't think that they are comparable to other units that are in the 150 bracket. And I tried and tested it, they lose to the blade lords. I
0: think, I think,
1: oh, we had a, I saw that.
0: <laughs> Sorry. You you froze up for a second, so uh can you repeat what you were just saying?
1: Yes. So um I, I did the I tested out the Blade Lords versus the Wardens and the Wardens lost every time. Sure, you get a cast out of them, but the Blade Lords are 30 points less. I think Wardens are just in a too high of a bracket right now. I think they they'd serve good at 140 or 130, 130 if we're really wishful thinking, but definitely not one fifty. Uh I think I'm not sure what sins they're paying for. But that deterred me from wanting to run them in any type of battle line type of scenario. That's why I will only commit to blade lords at the moment. They just they just get the job done, and they're so cheap. Two forty. Well, we
0: know well, we know, a we, know. we know why wardens are one fifty. Sentinels. They're paying. They're paying the sins of the sentinels. That's literally. That's Sin. literally what they're doing. They're paying for the sins of the sentinels. If that If that wasn't a one for one kind of deal where you unlock battle line. Yeah. They're not, not one fifty. They are. I'm not glad you put it that
1: way. It's true. Yeah. It's sad, but it is what it is. That's why I've only got one unit, and I have definitely considered just dropping it to put, because I have three scenario heroes already. So um, just putting in blade lords instead.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard when you look, when you look at them independently outside of Sentinels, it is hard to justify 150 for 10 wardens. It, it truly is. Um, like if you think of like three Annihilators are around the same price, like you can click.
1: Oh yeah, they took a price drop too. They're so close. But,
0: but when you think about like that comparability, and that's just one random example from my head, I'm like. Yeah, two two up, nine wound annihilators that come from the sky yeah. and like mortal wounds on the charge and on the drop. They will
1: like, annihilate uh, them.
0: It's it's hard to to, to justify one hundred and fifty. <laughs> so assume a points decrease is coming. Um, a couple of other burning questions, and then we'll kind of wrap this up because I do I do need to go to the little boys' room. He. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's a common term in any other country, but just to clarify, I need to pee. Um, <laughs> uh, what would it take to make Teclas a viable in this current General's Handbook? Primals. Uh, yeah.
1: Right out the gate, primals for sure. If he had access to primals, he would find his place again. And you could probably reasonably leave him at his points cost, obviously. Um, primals for sure.
0: I, i'm gonna let's assume that doesn't happen because like I can't see them giving pri uh, the, and oh so you're letting him extend the um the the cast with the primal dice yep. Let, let's assume that doesn't happen i I, I don't think they will Let, let's assume it doesn't happen would a points decrease change like if it if he went to i don't know say six hundred would that be enough to swing it back in in Techless's favor
1: I heard a comment about. He could stay at that points cost as long as he was era one Teklis when Teklis first came out. And I think Teclas was actually in the 500s um, when he first aired. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I, I reasoned with that more because of what we discussed earlier about him just being shut out. It's just so bad for him. You take such a huge points loss when he gets shut down. Because he can't, he can't stop you. He can't add anything. He's just like, "This is me. What would you like to do about it?" He's like, "Okay, well, you're not going to get that unless you cast one spell for the rest of the game." So there's, so you cast what five spells, and you and he's wasted two k, three k worth of, or two thousand five hundred points right there, like throughout the game as it goes on. Like,
0: <sighs> no. yeah, you're keeping your five up ward bubble guaranteed, but outside of that. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's interesting. Like, will he ever go back to 500? I highly doubt it. I think Games Workshop are doubling down on God tier. Like, Nagash could have gone down. They're just like, nope, you're staying at 1,000 points, basically. Like, nope, God, nope. Like, they're doubling down. They're doubled down on the God heroes. But what I'm hearing is, like, it can be used. Currently, the rules are not in his favor. Points would have to be massively be aggressive to drop. Otherwise, it is hard to justify right now, and we are here for twelve months. So who knows what happens? But getting to five hundred from seven forty, I can't see that path happening. Like that's a yeah. that is even more than like the Glotkins discounts that he's gotten, and it's and he's been like slowly getting discounts over a number of years.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I I would also say though I I say this already, still knowing that there's a five zero in this GHB with Techless, but I have an idea of how he ran it so. Um, it's still possible anything's possible
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah like any any good player can pilot so it's not saying that any unit is terrible yeah. and it'll often be an expression of of skill from the opponent rather than this list carried me so um it's yeah it's it's no obr and guard uh carrying you to 5 and 0 no victory yeah <laughs> obr players uh to, to, i felt that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually two hobby questions so manfred I'll, I, I this is this is a scaven player so like think about this as like you might be able to convert someone with your response uh what are some of the options in detailing so dealing with all the trim and the detail uh and getting used to just painting luminous and i hear that's actually one of the biggest issues is people getting in and just this sheer amount of detail and it's a it's a hobby painter's dream but for someone who maybe isn't uh, a committed painter and just wants to get them on the table, it's a nightmare. Uh,
1: my best advice, because this is this is what I did, is uh, steal the stone cast eternal vibe, and that what I mean by that is is uh, storm cast eternals have a paint scheme where people are turning them into stone instead, and it makes it a lot easier. Uh, you know, you just put one coat on them and dry brush them, and they're good to go. Uh, I did a similar thing for my luminous. So I went with silver instead. And so I spray painted them all silver and then I non oiled them. So they look like they're encased in silver. And the only thing that's coming out of them is like um, illumination on their sun metal weapons. So uh, it allowed me an opportunity to not have to deal with all that extra bit. So if you are worried about all the nooks and crannies, when it comes to luminous realm Lords, look up a good, like, i don't even know what to call it kind of paint scheme coach slap chap, i don't know look up a good type of paint scheme that is quick and easy for you that you like that you enjoy and just send it like just send it and i and trust me you'll love it i still even though my army looks disgusting up close i still get comments on it from six feet away people are like dang that army looks sweet and then they get up closer and they're like oh gross it's like, I'm sure, yeah, I'm I sure
0: they, I'm sure they don't say that. But I love is probably, the six
1: foot rule. Like it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> C- contrast and uh, speed paints. You know, you can get some great effects, especially if you learn how to zenithal prime. Um, it's as you mentioned. Uh, what's it called? Slap chopping is is a term, but zenithal highlighting with multiple highlights and shades. So when you eventually put down the color. The, uh, the natural black to grey or black to white transition will create native highlights. So uh, I ain't no Vince Venturella here, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But... Um you you can get in and contrast does um does take well because of the detail so uh, and you and you can always come back to the detail as well right i just could get a tabletop ready and you can always come back at a, a time with a bit more uh more time um any any final advice when it comes to actually collecting the army like do you buy like the vanguard boxes would you start off with like how would you start a lumineth collection
1: if you guys can still get your hands on the start collecting box with the dice and everything, go for it. If As long as it's not being scalped, of course. I haven't actually looked it up in a long time. It may still exist out there. It comes with Don Dawnwriters, <laughs> Wardens, Sentinels. Great. Grab that. Uh, Vanguard box is also very good. Um, but definitely grab a Wind Spirit and make sure it's Severith because you're going to love it. It's just it's he's so good right now for 270 it's it's so good but yeah i think you could you could do really well and i think you still get some of the cool cards too so if you can find the the initial release set for lumeneth realm Lords, you'll be you'll be great
0: probably way out of date though those cards those cards would be way out of date they're nice to read read. (laughs) this is what you used to have back in the day when you had half an army book, although you technically still have half an army book. We need still need to wait Tyrion to come back. My last real question is um, any tips for handling the, the current meta army. So like soul blight, OBR corn KO, which are and Seraphon, which are probably the top five. And I know handling each of those is going to be different, but if you, if you were to give me some advice, any particular things come to mind with, with those types of top tier table armies
1: uh fantastic question uh we have such an interesting approach for everything so uh my first list when you go into corn um you don't really have a lot to stress out about because we're not really targeting their units with anything um, we can fight the table with self buffs that's what i kind of revert to so if i'm against corn and they're stacking up their buff for whatever reason to give them a four board three up board two board um i'm fine with just buffing my own units and going into them like we're good um uh and that's kind of that's kind of how i like the list to be is to have the flexibility to be like well i could turn on magic or i could turn it off and still be okay and not feel like i'm down and out so like if i'm against seraphon who are just saying no to all my spells i don't care because most of the guts in my army don't need spells to perform extremely well um but it, you know, there's there's drawbacks to that. You don't always have Speed of to hish. You're being a little bit more aggressive. You you probably are moving forward a little bit more. You're you know picking and choosing the clutch spells you need in the moment to super cast them as best you can. Um, but you don't need it. And the same can't be really said for the Alarith list because once you don't have any wards and you're not moving fast, you're taking damage. Um, but for OCR bone, OCR bone Reapers, a good hint I like to tell everybody is always target the little dummy next to the bodyguard. Never target the bodyguard. They have the bodyguard stacked with so many buffs and this, this, and that. But in the OBR book, they do not have the ability to choose to pass off wounds. It is in there clearly stated they have to pass off those wounds if they're within three so might as well put all of your attacks if you have the opportunity or shots into the little dude that's got a five up save and no buffs on him because all that damage you do he might roll enough once to kill it so you'll get the kill or it's just all gonna flood into the bodyguard and they're not gonna have their three up five up ward shenanigans that we're facing right now so that's a good little tech piece for OCR bone reapers who are clearly in a good spot right now um outside of that don't forget because plenty of people were doing it uh catacross does not get the allegiance for null myriad so if you are magic heavy with lumineth pump your magic into catacross because you can't do anything about it Um, let's see who else are the problem children
0: uh, so we talked Seraphon, you've talked, uh, K- KO is probably 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 the other one, right? So we talked corn. Cool we talked Seraphon already, we've talked Soulblight throughout the episode, but we probably haven't acknowledged KO because KO has a lot of shooting. They can get you at range. There's obviously the new um, Army of Renown, and who knows what that's going to look like once it's FAQ'd, but it has an industrial amount of shooting. So it can take out your linchpins, probably much greater than Severeth, and probably one of the few armies that could take Severith down um, because you know you can't retreat from them and, well, you, you can't get away from them because they have the speed and the range to to get Severeth.
1: Right, right. Um, through my experience, because I've faced KO plenty of times whether they wanted to go first or second, the best thing that you guys can do is this is one of those rare circumstances where you are going to be a little bit more cagey in your deployment because good KO players will not overcommit to your main line they will pick off the wings and then they'll move their ways in so if you have your dawn riders on the flanks then they're going to pick off the dawn riders and they're going to start moving themselves in little by little instead of going after your main element so if you're tight they don't really have that opportunity um because you have a lot of ways to react if they do commit to you because they'll be within i think it's usually most ko players want to be within 12 is that right coach they want to be within 12 i believe
0: yeah uh, you, they do have a, a couple of long range threats but most most of their damage will come in outside within 12 and with 12 or 15 yeah, um, usually usually 12 usually 12 especially when you think about like their disengagement although you you probably see more less of the thunder build more of like um the ironclad with the uh sky wardens that will f- crash into you do some mortal wounds fight and then yeet out with a um with a retreat at the end of the
1: fight. So what what they'll struggle with uh, immensely, and I don't think we went over this in the video at all, but uh, shining company, really. It's such a problem for them. It's it's so bad to the point of, um, so when I've been alpha striked, um, the only thing that they really have to target are Wardens and Dawn Riders or, or Blade Lords. And a lot of times I want to get through to my Blade Lords, but I'm in such a tight block that they're minus one to hit, blow aether courts plus one to save, all out defense. And they're like, well, shoot, like, I'm already minus one to hit. So I think uh, most of the games have been alpha struck. They've mostly killed one unit of Blade Lords. But like I said about remaining so tight, they don't really have an option to unbind you. They'll probably have the one where they can continue to unbind if they get a successful one. I don't remember the Nullstone icon, something like that. But as soon as Speed of Hish is going, Grave Tide's going, Jaws is going, you're dropping ships. Speed is is already getting melee units into combat. Total Eclipse is already messing with their with their command point generation. Severeth is doing an all-out attack or blowing his Aether Courts, and he's on his finest hour, and he's sniping the general out of the out of the ship, like. If you play it right and you practice it, KO should not be an issue for you. It's just when you fan out, you start spreading all your stuff. Great KO players like to just pin cushion all those little things on the outside and work their way in until you have no army left. But if you stay tight, keep it together, um, you'll be able to react. And the reaction from us is very painful.
0: Yeah, you've got, you've got the tools to counter respond it's just can they get your critical things first and if you give them the good stuff and you you know new to yourself then you're in for a bad time if you can protect them if you can keep those critical pieces you can uh, maybe even give them severeth like finest hour put it at the front hopefully absorb it and if they t- they take debate the and can't kill severeth then everything else responds or you protect severeth for example and then you counter with with severeth and you know, chase down the boats and like again like depends on the game depends on the list but absolutely i think there's enough tools in, in in this toolbox for you all to unpack my last final question and then i want you to bring us home is when Tyrion comes and tyrian glorious return what are you hoping Tyrion brings to Lumineth the most
1: i doubt it coach but i'm really hoping he's not mounted and so when if, if he's not mounted, he's gonna be an immediate staple for me, because I'm excited to play him. Uh, but he's gonna bring he's gonna bring the melee element that I think we're missing, but the Blade Lords are right now definitely filling at the moment. But I think we're gonna get that that melee centric feeling. And so all these Venari things we have going on, these special traits that do these melee type things, we'll have a good non-named hero that can take those. And then uh, that are the opposite side of the lore, see- or the, the lore seeker. Um, and so I, that's what I really think we're going to get out of this. We're going to get some heavy cavalry. I'm fairly sure of that, and some rock hard melee with no magic. I I would be very surprised if I saw magic coming with his temple for sure.
0: Yeah, very light magic. But you're right. I, I definitely see the melee type of maybe even like you know. Some flying, more flying units, uh, maybe some elite flying units, uh, maybe, oh, you know, nice do, yeah. like, do, do we see, the, I know Phoenix Guard are gone now, but do we see the return of the Phoenix, I'm air quoting, do we see Phoenix Guard, the more durable offensive, yeah, you've got your stone guard, but is there a different version of that coming with Tyrion, don't know, but I'll tell you who does. In the comment section, folks, tell me what you want to, <laughs> what you uh, Let me know what you want to see because I think Tyrion is probably not far off now. We've talked about this for a few years now. Surely fourth edition when it drops in the next, I don't know, 12 to 24 months. You assume Tyrion's coming, maybe Malarian, the, the dark elf himself back as well. That. So they're gonna bring some troops into, into whatever realm we're gonna be fighting in. I think I've lost Jared again.
1: Uh-oh, I think I lost you for a minute.
0: Yeah, your you, your internet paused again. So, oh, so uh, No, nah, it's all good, man. It's all good. So um, is there anything that you want to say, any shout-outs you want to make? And uh, if people want to chat to you, where can they find you?
1: Uh, absolutely. I wanted to do a big shout-out to my fellow Rage Babies that run the YouTube channel, Battleshock Wargaming Studio. Uh, we got big plans ahead. If you like solid battle reports with a little extra drop on by, uh, you'll be able to see us there. And uh, you can also find me in the LRL Discord channel. And yeah, I appreciate all of you and the coach for having me on today. Uh, this has been great. I, I'm very passionate about Lumineth Realm Lord. So like I said, I'm in the Discord channel. So if you want to you know, catch up with me, ask some questions, uh, I should be available.
0: Uh, I'll put the link in the uh, in the episode description of the Battle Report channel. But just for everyone, again, it was...
1: Oh, Battleshock Wargaming Studio.
0: Cool. Like and subscribe. Make sure to go check them out. And uh, if you want to see, actually, Jared, put this theory into practice, uh, you'll be able to see it. So you'll be able to see his deployment, his play, and who knows, maybe after this episode, you'll film a special game with Lumineth. And you maybe put some of this into the mix and people can see it all, how to work it out and, you know, bring the theory to life.
1: You guys will also get to see how bad I am with any other army except (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh,
0: Luminesh. That's why I play so many different armies to get a different feel. Like I don't want the same type of army. I want to like give me different things, but Jared, thank you so much for your time. I really need to go to the bathroom. It was a great episode. I highly enjoyed it. We, you know, I hope Lumineth players feel like they have new thoughts, new tools, new resources to climb up from the mud, get them into that middle ground. Yeah, you're quite not up there at the top, but you're certainly not at the bottom. I think with a couple of list techs and uh, some extra runs on the board now, that's why things like the Facebook group, that's why Discord, my Discord, Luminous Discord, uh, go check it out. High tide lifts all the boats. Chat to people. You know, get, Let's put some more wins on the board. And uh, actually, I don't, want, I don't really want that. I don't want more capital. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want more severance. Like, just like, just, <laughs> like,
1: Sins of the past.
0: <laughs> uh, let's have a reset. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Jared, thank you for so much. People who listened, I hope you enjoyed it. Leave a comment in the comment section. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if there's something that maybe we didn't talk about. Maybe there's a build that you really like that's doing well that we didn't talk about. Uh, Let me know in the comments. But, Jared, again, thank you for your time, and I hope you all enjoyed the chat. Thank you, everybody. See everyone. Bye. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now if you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here, so cheers you are all bloody legends, and until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.